The Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. I also want to bring to you Yukonuba Sporting Dog, the premium performance 3020 blend. For the last 50 years, Yukonuba has created premium nutrition that unlocks the power and potential within. From the unstoppable performance of the sporting dogs to the life-saving abilities of working dogs to the incredible companionship of service animals and family pets. Check out Yukonuba Sporting Dog today and go pick up a bag of the 3020 premium performance blend and when you do that guys make sure when you got food you gotta have shelter guys make sure you go check out dakota 283 kennels and pick up one of those g3 series kennels or the tonneau cover kennels um you can use my code tgdn10 and get yourself 10 percent off at checkout when you get one of those kennels and also i want to give a special thank you and shout out to garmin fish and hunt and Lion Country Supply, both of those companies, organizations, have done a phenomenal job in supporting the bird dog world and giving us something that we can truly enjoy and a, and, a, and a number of products that have been beneficial to us all. I know for a fact, beneficial to us all in the field. All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast today. We have on Chris Mathen of Stride Away Field Trials, super, super, super historian and just a, a, a monolith as far as keeping all of our bird dog information up to date and lines and pedigrees and champions. She's really helped me out a ton. Stay tuned for some more work um, that I'm doing with Project Uplands, right, writing on uh, pointers and the history. And also, I will be attending the Georgia-Florida Shooting Dog Club Field Trials, a.k.a. the Black Handlers Field Trials, next Monday. So stay tuned for that. Here you go with Chris Mathen. And Okay, Ms. Mathen, <laughs> how are you, first and foremost? I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> so we have already gotten onto a long tangent Um you asked me where I'm from, and I'm born and raised in Atlanta. Now, you said ill when I messed around and messed up. It said you were from Connecticut. So, <laughs> talk about where you actually are from and well, why I ill. Actually, I was born in Stuttgart, Germany, and I moved to Canada when I was about three and a half, and I lived in Montreal. Okay. And my introduction to bird dogs is, is not, I didn't have dogs I had. I was horse crazy from the time I was about six so I, I mean as long as i could remember mm -hmm. you know watching last well i watched lassie too i mean the dogs with the you know fury and black beauty and roy rogers and national all that stuff like like lots of i don't want his girls like horses but anyway so mm -hmm. i started in you know doing i don't know what it took you know i forced my parents to take me out to go trail riding or something but i when i was I, don't, I was about eight, and it's kind of an indication of the kind of person I am. But I think I wrote to, and I don't know where even where I got this list, but I think I wrote to about half of the riding schools in England. Really? By the time I 
was eight, yes. And I was determined to go to riding school and I would waited and waited and the and I would get all these little packages in the mail, these little vanilla manila envelopes with the little brochures about these different um field trial. I mean field trial. I mean these um riding riding schools in England. And anyway, well I didn't end up going to any of them, but I did go to um um a place in New Hampshire for a couple, two, three years. And, and um, it, uh, I rode English, so hunter jumper mm-hmm. and um, did that and then kind of followed, you know, got involved in um, the Canadian circuit. So I followed that. Of course, I, I, I only rode in, I did like 4-H and pony club and local um, horse shows, but I followed the Canadian circuit for a while. So I, everything I ever did in my life, I, I kind of throw myself into it. Yep. We see that. Completely. <laughs> I don't know. It's a kind of characteristic of mine, but anyway, um, so I did that and I didn't have, I didn't have dogs or any particular interest in dogs, but then I moved to, um, with my best friend who I'm, met at this riding school in New Hampshire and I moved to Maine when I graduated from high school to her family bought a farm in Maine and we had horses and they had dogs and they had a they had a really nice German shepherd who was kind of our nanny and that was that was probably the second dog I ever knew that I really liked and I think it was because the dog was really intelligent and it didn't just sort of wasn't just sort of there right and the other dog i remember when i was a kid was i visited my aunt in germany and and she had a standard poodle and we i remember going to um some very um i want i don't want to say swine but a very very good restaurant and the poodle this beautiful black standard poodle lay under the table nobody knew it was even there it never moved an inch until after dinner and the chef came out and brought that poodle a piece of like filming or something (laughs) i remember just being really i don't know it's just stuck to me stuck in my mind that this dog was so well behaved you know i wouldn't have to keep telling it to do i just stayed there and so anyway i guess in my mind i always liked animals that were that were trained that somehow that that i was impressed with animals like that so Mm -hmm. um anyway so uh I don't know how I got to there. So anyway, um, then I, um, I went to, I went to college in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I probably had a cat or something, but um, I didn't have anything to do with dogs or horses. Um, um, and then I moved to New York, and I was a designer and a photographer. And I moved to London, and I was involved in the another great passion of mine. I was involved with this sort of post-punk um, independent music scene in, in in well, it was in England and the United States. Okay, but, but I, so I did that with a completely different thing, but you know that I again threw myself wholeheartedly into and. Um, and was just um, just did that for a long time, right? And, um, and then I um, so at that then I moved back to New York, and then at some point I just decided I'd had enough of the city, and some part of me that just you know that was always sort of lurking back there, this part of me that loved the you know that loved the country, that loved the you know I sort of got the city life and all that stuff out of mm-hmm. my 
system and decided that I was going to leave New York and I wanted a dog. And I don't even really know why I wanted a dog, but I did. And so I bought a Weimaraner because I'd been involved in the art scene. So I kind of knew about it. Can I stop you right there? Yeah, too much. (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. So you, and this is my art brain coming out. So I'm an artist. I never, I don't think I told you that, but um, I'm an artist and, and, I'm going to deviate a little bit before we get there. Were you around in New York during that New York new wave art movement that was going on to Basquiat's and Keith Haring's, all of that stuff? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. You, you <laughs> poked my brain. I went to parties. Really? <laughs> it ages me. I know. Yes. I went to, <laughs> I went to Keith Haring parties. I went to even, Oh, can you think of his name now? Pop artist. Um, was famous, it Julian famous. Schnabel? Um, no, I no. know Julian Schnabel. I knew. Yeah. Um, um, no, no. You know who I'm talking about. Not Roy Lidge. That's too early. Andy Warhol too early. Andy Warhol. No, Andy Warhol. I went to Andy Warhol parties. Yes. Really? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my. Okay. So yeah. we got so, yeah, a lot more in common. A long, long <laughs> ways away from field trials. A very different world. But yeah, no, I went to, I was involved in the music scene. So I went to, you know, all the clubs, didn't pay to get in, all yeah. that stuff. You know, now, you, you know, now did you come across Mr. Basquiat by chance? I know his name. No, okay. I, I don't remember, but I'm, I know I don't think I did. But um, okay. okay, we had a lot of. I was involved with a company, uh, a company, an independent record label in in Manchester, England, where a lot of the great music came from, called Factory. Okay. Um, Factory Records, but it was actually Factory Communications. But that's who I worked for. Um, and um, so there was a. So actually, William Wegman did a Christmas book like a flip book mm-hmm. for order and, and anyway so i kind of knew about who he was and his weimar honors wow it, okay so, small so i don't know world. why but i picked so i thought a weimar honor was a good neat looking dog and <laughs> i did my research and i thought yeah i'm gonna have me one of those and um so i got but i got the dog in just a little bit um outside of the city from um, these people, I don't know where they were from, but she seemed to be like, oh, I know this sounds weird, of kind of royal heritage or some like Austrian or something. But it was this <laughs> nice puppy and I picked him out and I took him home and, and you know, and I just, and I, by that time I already decided I'm getting out of the city and I had, um, just, I won't even go into how I happened to have this, but I had um, land on an island um, called Vinyl Haven and mm-hmm. I had built a little cabin and I had an, <laughs> I had, this is so far off. The no, please go. Now. You look, I'm but sold I had now. A, I had built a house. I bought um, this land through people that were like family to me. Mm-hmm. And I bought this land that was an, an old granite quarry called the capital city granite company. Yeah. So I built this house, this little tiny cabin camp on this place. And I moved, when I left New York, that's where I went and with my Weimaraner puppy. And then I ended up moving to Portland because obviously like, it, Vinyl Haven is a fishing community and it wasn't a place I could exactly earn a living. But anyway, so I lived in Portland with this with this Weimaraner and, you know, he he um, he was really a very nice dog. And he um, but by the time he was about six months old, I was like, OK, this dog is taking me for a walk. And I think what happened was the horse training 
uh, all the things I had done with horses just kind of, you know, came back in. I was like, okay, wait, you train this. You have to train this dog. You can't, you don't just have him. He's, you have to train him. You got to be trained. So, right. Yeah. And so I discovered through a friend of mine who had Weimar on her, um, she did a particular kind of training called um, Keeler. Bill Keeler um, had been around for since, I don't know, the 50s. He trained a lot of the movie, dog movies like The Incredible Journey, Old Yeller, um, a whole bunch of from that time when there wasn't any visual, you know, there wasn't any way trickery. There was just what you saw, whatever they filmed was what the animals were actually doing. Right. So um, I trained the Weimaraner. I did, I bought his book. He had one of the first book and I did exactly what it said in the book. And I ended up with this dog who was like um, seventh highest, um, whatever year it was, the seventh highest ranking Weimar honor in obedience in the country. And, um, and I didn't even go to that many trials, but, um, um, but it was fun because I got back into competing with animals and, and I was very, very proud of him. And because he really actually, I thought, see, I thought that obedience was really supposed to be obedience but of course like so many other things it really it really is more like a show in a in a ring and but my dog really actually was in fact i'd go to obedience trials and they would refer to my dog as the dog that was really an obedience right. <laughs> you know, right. not just one that performed in the ring and so anyway and then i got another weimar honor from a wonderful woman who became my mentor and and she was i she was a, I showed her and she was, sh- and she was shown by a pro and became a, a champion. But I, I kind of pretty quickly did not kind of got bored with both obedience and, and the show ring show ring. Right. I have to say was probably the in terms of anything I've ever done with, whether it was horses or dogs, that was the most, um, in terms of just pressure, mm-hmm. people think that's easy. People watch that stuff and they think it's easy. Well, it's 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 just they are so competitive, and um, more and that so, was, now was more, very more, hard. More so than uh, I mean, field trials like what? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I'll tell you why. You know, for me, it always was. By the time I was competing as an amateur in field trials, um, you know, once you let the dog loose. I mean, yeah, you had, you were handling and you had to make some, you had to make the right calls, but it was pretty much, you know, whatever you had done with the dog or wherever you had gotten in training, now you were seeing it. There wasn't anything you were going to change. When you're in the ring showing a dog, every move you make mm-hmm. is, is, you know, and, and they're, and they are, it's not that they're not competitive in field trials, but you're in a ring with a bunch of people who are going to cut you off. And <laughs> right. It, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty grueling stuff. I mean, I'm not saying I don't, I didn't like it, but it was, it was um, a nerve. It was nerve wracking. Right. Most things that I competed with and competed in, you know, like field trials, I'd be super nervous until I let the dog loose. Right. And then it would be like, okay. I, and then I wouldn't be nervous. Then I'd be like, okay, I'm just doing it now. And I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't, wouldn't be nervous in the, in the show ring. You're, I was nervous the entire time because right. any wrong move could have been like, okay, you just blew it right there. You know, and people watch, I still like, if I, if I could get to, um, for a long time after I would go to shows just to watch the dogs, because what is interesting about them, that's, that's true for probably any, competitive 
animal, whether a dog or horse, is um, is the top show dogs have got to have attitude. I mean, yeah. real attitude. They got they they. They prance around there saying, "I'm the one." I'm the one. Look at yeah. me. Well, you know, it's, it's so funny that, that you had that you kind of had some, you know, that you would watch some shows and stuff. But well, my my granddad and I, I tell the story all the time. My granddad and I, I got into dogs as a kid because we would sit back and watch the Westminster and a, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. AKC dog shows. Mm-hmm. That was some of my early. Um, introduction as far as just seeing you know the confirmation yeah. and stuff like that and yeah. i remember we would sit back on the couch and we would try to guess you know which dog yeah, was which you know because, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was kind of yeah. like oh that dog got a little got a little flavor to him you know just yeah well no no and it does it because if you didn't know exactly the standard and the high you mm-hmm. know and and of course with a lot of those dogs now you know later on i know that you know they pretty much know you know, out of the dogs that are there, you know, which, which, which out of two or three or four dogs are going right. to win. Right. Cause they're already, the, they're already the top winning dogs in the country, but it is true what you're saying that even somebody that just, even some, maybe somebody that doesn't even know dogs, mm-hmm. you can see it. I mean, some of them, you know, you can have some little tiny little, whatever the heck, little French bulldog and mm-hmm. he's got his head up here, you know, and he's just, going going around saying pick me i'm the one you know (laughs) and that and that kind of attitude you know i think that's that's the kind of attitude that you know i mean field trial dogs you know horses they i mean all of them have Mm -hmm. you know people don't understand for example that field trial dogs are very competitive oh yeah the best ones are very competitive animals they aren't just out there you know they they want to they, you know, they, they want to beat their, comp- you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that easy, but they, right. they definitely know they're competing, at least in my mind. Well, and, and I'm going to add, are. I'm going to add to that. All right. So Chris, we already have a lot in common based on this conversation, but like you like horses. I grew up with my grandfather again. He's a big, been a big influence on me if you can't tell, yeah, but yeah. We would, in addition to watching Westminster's um, shows, we would watch the Kentucky Derby. I finally got a yeah. chance to go, and even yeah. those horses, oh, oh, I, I yeah. got a chance to go with Yukonuba uh, um, last year. And, oh, great! Yeah, and I mean. The thing is, those horses, and I keep up. I mean, we keep up with it, like from the big when the season starts all the way through, yeah, right? Yeah. And th- yeah. those horses, they know this is a race, and I, I want to win. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think of 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 anything. I think race horses are the ultimate in that. Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't understand that they've been bred. They have been bred for you know however long, right? To to be competitive, they cannot. They right. cannot win if they're not competitive that would, is what they are would you say in would you say that race horses or horses in general have probably been you know manipulated and bred longer than the history of bird dogs or dogs in general I would, you know, I don't know, but because I because I was horse crazy from the time I was a kid, <laughs> you know, I had the books about. You know, I can't remember the name of the book. It's about the three Arabian stallions mm-hmm. that made the that were the stallions that were brought to England that mm-hmm. were the foundation of um, of the thoroughbred. Right. You know, they were bred to to warm bloods, mm-hmm. and and they were the foundation stock. But um, and of course, if you read about um, you know Arabian 
horses on the desert. Mm-hmm. They're they incredible. Thing. I mean, just amazing stories, right. you know, just, um, so, you know, I don't know because, you know, the, the, you know, the bird dogs, again, I'm, I'm no, I'm no history kind of, I don't know all the dates and all the everything, but, um, um, I just recently been looking at this because I'm adding this to the Youth Field Trial Alliance website. But um, and I did know this, but you know, the, there's very early on there's there in in literature you will find, um, or there has been found by the people you know who've really studied the history of the of of, of pointing dogs and pointers um, is you know in the 13th century and you know dogs that actually you know did the sort of pause before the, you know, mm-hmm. the pointed, that were pointing, they of course were, there, were no, there was no firearms and they, you know, they, however, they, whatever they did that from nets and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, so they, so they go back, but I think what, what we didn't have until really our American dogs, because even English dogs they were different. Are, are very different. Mm-hmm. Although if you look at what they looked like, interestingly enough, it, it, interestingly enough, you know, even though you look at English pointers of of more recent in in England, I mean, and when I say English pointer, I mean in, England. In England yeah. I mean it to be England, not because they aren't they aren't called English pointers; they're pointers. Right. But they, I'm you glad know, they, you made that distinction. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no, I, it drives me nuts. That's <laughs> me a real peeve that I have. But um, <laughs> um, um, um you, you know that the kind of way that they look with the with the deep flus and the, you know, that's a really, if you look at the early dogs that were imported, they really look more like what the dogs look like today. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have those extreme features. They don't have that extreme, you know, they have a nice boxy head, but not, you know, not extreme like the show dogs and not even as mm-hmm. much as what pointers in England look like now. So it's kind of interesting right. that they didn't, but I think the animal that we have today in America that you know, I think there was I, somewhere in Hawkwald. I wrote, I read it, and I never have been able to find it. But there was a time I think they thought about calling the dog an, an American pointer, and they never they didn't. But obviously they didn't. But um, but I but the dog is you know a hundred plus years later is just a different animal than anything. Yep. They, which is why I really get annoyed when people call them English. <laughs> English didn't call them English pointers, and they sure as heck are not. You know they're so far removed they're from way different. What 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 they use pointers? How they use pointers in England? And I think part of it is to do with our with the American culture. You know that we just different people and just wanted a dog that was. You know we always I think Americans always kind of wanted a dog that was mm-hmm. just more kind of on his own than right. you know. And the, and the English really were very much into controlling. Right. You know a Whoa. very old kind of animal that kind of would it would cast back and forth and right. you know and it probably suited the way they hunt right um but, you know so anyway we've gotten off on that no i it's it's <laughs> so i'm 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 i told you i'm i'm very glad that you even brought this up because i'm writing um i'm currently writing um the last few pieces of um an article on it's like a three-part article on the um you know beginnings of the english pointer all the way to, I guess, what we would call the American point, but the pointer, um, right. and and the transformation and and all of those things, you know, coming right. from Spain and 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 whether or not it originated in Spain, Spain or right, France right. or Italy, you know, and just going down there, and and it's yeah. the no, uses no, are so much. Obviously, you've done your yeah, because um, 
Yeah, I think in the end, I, I, you know, what I put in this in the history that I'm writing is that, you know, that, yeah, they had sort of, you know, like I said, they were, it shows up in literature. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the thing that does make the most sense is that the, you know, if it is um, that they were brought back to England after yes. the war with Spain in 17, whatever it was, that was they were over there for 14 years. Right. So they had plenty of time to kind of see these dogs. And, right. and then, of course, but of course, when you see the even the drawings, which we don't mm-hmm. know how exaggerated they are, but they were clearly a much heavier, you know, they were clearly a different dog. And oh, they yeah. Right you... the fox downs. And... Mm-hmm. Now, and, and now it's funny. A couple of things I found in that, and I know we're getting off. I'm going to get back on course, but you, I like history. But in the early drawings from like Titian and all of the back 1300s, yep. mm-hmm. they were drawing very vaguely, very loosely, um, Pointer or Brocks, as they would have called right, Brocks, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. and the the dogs more or less look. You still got the white, you know, the white in them, the boxy head, and things like that. But that I, from what I understand, and this is talking to a few, I think those dogs are more or less extinct at this point in time. Um, as far as the thing, the the foundation dogs that would have gotten to you know gotten us to the the pointer what i sure. yep. what i also thought was interesting was them breeding the dogs to hounds and not to make right. the and this is how i interpret it you can correct me if i'm wrong but they bred it to hounds in order to um not make the pointer or the brock better but to make the hound better because they were they they, they basically took a uh partridge dog who had a much mm-hmm. more finer sensitive nose and put him in the hounds you know mm-hmm. but then i swing back around and i read in the jack harper's book uh, and then yeah. he's like oh well, they were putting hounds into yeah. point yeah, yeah I, I think they put i think they bred them to fox hounds to make them um faster and a little sleeker and a little just but i but there was some that there obviously this was not an easy thing to do because the breeding them to foxhounds then took away some of the because you know when you you know and I and I do believe this when you know people think that when you breed you know one one breed to another that it's an accumulative thing but I think it's it's not it's not it's mm-hmm. it, you know you're, you're going to give up one thing for another oh, yeah. you know like like a, like a lot of the you know dogs out with the short hairs out with <laughs> the short hairs out west that don't swim you know i know right. all the navda and people would buy short hairs from out west and they would be and they would compete with them in navda and they'd be like well they don't swim so good <laughs> like well, well maybe that's because they bred them to pointers you go get you go man really you go get not, somebody really upset over here. If you're gonna select a duck dog it's not gonna be a pointer right i'm not saying they can't do it but you know a few of them i had one that loved to swim but it was they're not really made for swimming now but, mine, so that, mine don't want nothing to do with water yeah no, and I think that they, you know, so I think that it it was obviously a long, but the other thing that's interesting that people that don't really, you know, because even though there was no, that you know, at that time there was no stud book, you know, there was mm-hmm. no, um, you know, the United Kennel Club didn't exist, but what people don't know, so they think, well, they must have willy nilly just bred them to anything, but they did not. Nope. They did not. They were very isolated mm-hmm. and they were very, you know, even though there was not such a thing as a stud book, they were pretty, they were, you know, pretty much into their having their, mm-hmm. you know, regal blood and royal, you know, right. not royal, 
they but they they did not they did not out if they out if they did outcross it was very deliberately mm-hmm. it wasn't just they would just do this and because each each purse each you know kennel or rich person or the mm-hmm. you know the aristocracy the people who had these dogs they took great pride in mm-hmm. their own kennels and their own dogs and i think like as we know then you know field trials started and they started comparing them and saying ah you know this you know this you know my neighbor 300 miles away at you know castle blah blah right. you know whatever they were the heck he was you know that they would see just like today they would see qualities in that person's dogs that were unlike his and and favorable to that person. And so that's when they started going, well, I'm going to breed my dogs to one of your dogs because I like what I'm seeing. Right. You know, and that's how I imagine that it was. Right. You well, know? and that's, that's the way I understand it. And I, I think it, you know, stands to, you know, say that, you know, you said it right. This is not something that the, the average person was, going off doing you know number one it takes money and resources to do that number one right and the other thing that's interesting of course the difference is that that the the english always had you know whether it was retrieving because they they didn't have when they had these dogs there was no middle the middle class didn't have dogs you know the middle class when you started getting these continental breeds it was during the industrial revolution and you know you started to get these um Sort of, you know, this middle class of people who were made up and might have been a doctor or a shot, you know, some people that could afford to keep a dog or two, but they didn't have a kennel full of dogs, whereas the English always had. You know, they had specialists. Right. So they had pointing dogs, retrieving dogs. They didn't. They didn't. And then, you know, when I was involved with NAFTA, and I kind of after uh, the years of watching those dogs, I kind of. You know, not putting them down, but I came to the conclusion that the English had it right was mm-hmm. that, you know, that to have these, to, if you wanted the best pointing dog, then Get have them be, and, and just, you know, to have them try to do all these different things was, you know, you could, you, there were a few individuals in my, you know, when I was in NAVDA that I saw, there were a few dogs I could say, you know, they really could do all of these things equally well, but most of the time they could not. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they were dogs that were either better at pointing birds and not so good at swimming or retrieving right. or or vice versa. So I think, you know, in the end, that's uh, why I opted for for pointers because I kind of looked at it and said, you know, I'd, I'd rather have a dog that is – is really easy to train because it's his net, it, you know, he's so natural tendency to do this mm-hmm. one thing right. and not try to make him do the, the thing that he maybe wasn't so good at or right. something. But well, I'm, anyway. I'm the same way. I mean, I've got a lab and that was my first, you know, gun dog. And yeah, he, you know, he, I mean, he'll pick up whatever it is that I want to, but that's, that's what it is. He's a retrieving specialist. You know, right. I didn't want anything right. else. And right. and I and I also understood that with pointers it was a little bit different of an art form, and I wanted right. something that I didn't need a, a jack of all trades. Like I wanted a dog that was right. known. And again, being from Georgia too, Chris, like yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm well, a little see, shallow I in that too. That, you know, after <laughs> seeing that a lot, yeah, you know, with the dogs in NAFTA, what I thought was, you know, they're kind of contrary. Things. So mm-hmm. if you want a dog that has really strong pointing instinct to stand there, you know, mm-hmm. here's a bird, he smells a bird, but he's happy to just, he's happy to just, you know, have that 
wonderful smell waft up into his nose and he's happy to just stand there. There's a, there's a, to me, it's like, but then there's, the, you know, a retrieving dog that really, really like, if, you know, you That's have labs or, or a flush or, you know, cockers or something, they're just like, let me go, let me go, let me go. Like I want, you know, they want to go get the thing. Right. You know, so though, to me, you know, and I'm not, I would not argue with somebody who, somebody might say, no, you have this all wrong. But to me, that seemed to say, you know, these are two contrary characteristics. And um, I would rather have one of, I would rather, hunt, you know, right. have one of each than try to make them be the same dog. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, there's lots of people I'm sure that will listen to this and go, you guys are wrong. <laughs> I've got the proof, you know, I, and look, I'm not and saying I get it, it all would, the but time. to me, I guess what I saw after having a Weimaraner who is kind of, is a continental dog and uh-huh. who I didn't have to with, but, um, you know, I just, I just, to me to have dogs that have strong, strong pointing instinct, you know, they want to go point, they want to go find birds and they want to get them pointed and they, and, and it is the kind of dog that I actually like in yeah. terms of a pointer is one that's, you know, that's aggressive on game, but want, but absolutely has strong pointing instinct that they want it. They just love standing there and pointing birds. Yeah. You know, it's not a hardship on them at all. Right. But, um, so anyway, but you know, getting back to where, well, where, where I, I left you, off. You I know what? Know. And before we pick up, I would love to have you and my buddy, uh, Craig Koshik on. I spoke to Craig today. Matter of fact, um, mm-hmm. I would I would just love to sit in a room and listen to that conversation because you guys are talking about two I mean you know versatile continental breeds versus yeah you know yeah standard yep. well and he has so much experience with mm-hmm. that but you know what the truth is in the end you know I think all of our passion for all this stuff that's you know when it comes down to it you know we have different opinions and different experiences and our opinions are based on those experiences. But in the end, it's just a passion for for the dogs, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it you know, and I'm just as I'm just as happy for somebody who sees it differently and has had a different experience and loves the dogs and loves their life with the dogs and their, you know, so that uh, I don't I'm not like I'm not like sort of I have to be I don't have to be right. It's just it's just that's been my experience. That's right. all. Right. You well, know. So. I, I, and that's so much of you know what you've done is on the totem pole for me, but anywho, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about your relationship with, uh, Calvin and Maisie Davis. I mean, in the, the conception of stride away, right? Like, okay. uh, you so know, start from the front porch. Was, what happened was, and it is a funny story. So I, um, you know, um, so I'd been involved with field trials for, for not very long. I started in 2000, mm-hmm. or 99, I started going to field trials. I think it was 2000. I got my first pointer. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I went to, I had gone to Texas and that's where I saw LH pointers. And I was like, okay, now I, I know what I want. I want one of these dogs. And, um, so I, I was very lucky to get a really nice dog from not from Bob Whaley, but, um, at the time, a guy who, who was in the book that he wrote, the Snakefoot book. Okay. Guy who, who was that? Calgany. Yep. And he was in Massachusetts. So I thought, well, I, I can, I'll get a dog from this guy. You know, so I met him at a field trial and told him I wanted a pup and, um, and got a dog. And, um, but before that, I, you know, I went to Texas and saw these dogs. And that's how I got in, you know, that's how I, decided that's what I wanted. But, um, so I was in, so I got this puppy and, 
thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Cause part, part of it is I can't, I can't hit the broadside of a barn. So <laughs> I had done Naster. I had gone to a lot of Naster trials right. and I, and, and I liked them, but I it wasn't something I wanted to do. But, um, but anyway, so, um, um, I don't know. I, I, I think in my travels to Texas, cause I'd started going to Texas. I went that year and I guess I can't remember when I met, Joe. Anyway, but um, I met um, a, a guy named Larry Garner. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know who he is, but anyway, and Larry was a guy involved in field trials, and he worked for a company that made a product called Fly Predator. Okay. Um, and we won't go into that. You can look it up. But anyway, so Larry had asked me because of what I do, you know, as a photographer, he said, "Can you? You're going to the national championship. I want you to photograph." Um, some of the all-age trainers for me because we want to do these testimonial ads for Fly Predator. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So this is my first time there. And I met um, Diane and John Rex Gates. Okay. And, um, and so I said, I need to talk to some of these trainers and take their pictures. And so they <laughs> before one of the afternoon braces, and so they all these trainers were kind of just talking – just standing around talking and they said, there's, there's a bunch. It was, I, I know, I know Andy Doherty was there, Mm -hmm. you know, Alvin Davis and some uh, some other guys. So they just, so they kind of just said, there they are down in there and like, just go over there. (laughs) So I go over there. It was really funny. Right. But so I go in there and I start to try to explain what it is that I want. And they're all look. They're looking at me like I'm nuts, right? <laughs> looking at me like, you know, what is she? Who? What? <laughs> you know, and this northern girl yeah. wants to take a picture. And and now you know I know these guys, and so they just. <laughs> I mean, I know Andy, and it's like I imagine now I would laugh too, you know. So right. they came up to me and said, like, "What? What? Are what? You? Oh, I tr- yeah. I know the feeling. Oh, it was <laughs> it was funny. It really was funny. So anyway, Calvin Davis. I was one of the people I'm supposed to take a picture of. And he's like, all right, somehow I, somehow I managed to figure out that what he wanted me to do was meet him at his horse trailer at the, at, after the afternoon brace. So I figure out where that is and, you know, and I'm there. So we, you know, we, I did the roads like in the afternoon because that's where if you don't have a horse, they just meet at the road crossings and they see everybody go through. And mm-hmm. anyway, so at the end of the day, I went over to this horse trailer and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on. But in the meantime, you know, I think, it, I don't know if it was at lunch or in the tent, or I guess it was after, it was, I guess it was after the running. Um, so there's Maisie Davis, this, you know, this tall woman and she's wearing this, like this wax, one of those long coats like they have in Australia or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, she's on this big black horse and I'm like looking up at her like, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> like, is she even going to talk to me or does she even notice me? Yeah. But anyway, so, um, so we, I ended up at the back of, you know, at the, at Colvin's trailer and John Rex was there and they just hammed it up because they didn't have any idea who I was mm-hmm. or what the heck I wanted. And I just wanted to, Diane helped me and I just, but it, I ended up getting these wonderful pictures because they did not take me seriously at all. I had no idea what I wanted. So it was just John Rex and Colvin just hamming it up right. and laughing and, you know, and so I got these great pictures of no use probably i don't can't remember if fly predator used i don't think 
I don't know if they used anything that I took, but, um, but that's how I met Maisie. And it turned out Maisie was like, had the same sort of idea about me. She's like this photographer lady. And I don't know if she's going to think I'm, who am I? (laughs) But anyway, so we just discovered that we, despite the fact that her whole background was in the all age and my background was in grouse trials, that we really had very much the same idea about dogs and, and, and field trials so that we kind of almost instantly became good friends. I mean, it really was pretty incredible how fast we just kind of liked each other and became friends. And then um, what happened was Diane got a hold of me um, because they were, um, they were uh, trying to get Colvin mm-hmm. into the hall of fame and I had taken these pictures. So they wanted to know if I had these, if they could use the pictures. And I said, um, yes, you can use the pictures, but why don't I just, you know, I'm a designer. Why don't I just do the ads? Right. So I did the ads for the, the American field ads for Colvin. It was because I liked them so much, right. You know, I met them and I just, I just liked them both so much right away right. that, um, I said, why don't I just do the ads? Well, anyway, so obviously Colvin went in the hall of fame, not to do with my ads, but because he just was awesome. Very <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so they invited me to Broom Hill that fall and, and I went out to Broom Hill and that, you know, that's, you know, where I met Robin and Hunter and, you know, met everybody at the Broom Hill trials and, um, and, um, and where I first saw, you know, all age prairie, you know, it's just like amazing stuff that I'd never seen in my life before where you kind of go, you know, well, actually I'd been out to the prairies. This was 2006. So I had been out to the prairies Twice, actually, the to the two years before that, I went to Franklin Asa's camp because I wanted to see his dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, two years in, in a row, so it was not my first trip to the prairies, but it was my first trip to Manitoba and to an all-age trial. And um, I, and it just was it was unreal to me to see a dog handle from that that kind of distance. Mm-hmm. You know, where you, they talk about the aspirin and people going, yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody said to me, you know, ha- I know what a half mile is, you know, or a mile. And if you say to somebody, you know, those dogs can be a mile out there, you kind of go, you kind of roll your eyes and go, yeah, yeah. It you doesn't know? seem, like, it doesn't seem as real. No, it uh, it doesn't seem plausible when you mm-hmm. know how far that is. But on the prairies, when you see, you know, that's where the bluffs are. If that's where the bluffs are, that's where the dogs are going to go. Right. That's where a good dog is going to go. And when you see them, and they literally are a spot, when they say this <laughs> aspirin, it is a white spot that you just see. And you only see it if the dog's in front of the bluffs because that's when there's a contrast between the bluff and the dog and you can see the dog. And so for me to see a dog like that, you know, like Lester's absolute was the first one that I was like, just blown away by how is this dog? You obviously cannot hear Colvin at that kind of distance. And how is it that that dog is in front of him all the time? How, how is it that he does that? It was, I'm still blown away by the idea of it. You know, when I remember it thinking, how do they do it? I don't know. You know, the dogs must have some incredible hearing or incredible sense that they know where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I was obviously blown away by that stuff. And then and then the following year, um, I was – Amazing Colvin hired me to do their Davis Kennels website because they had a website. Some Jerkimo did some thing that, you know, was just – 
garbage and you know <laughs> so they hired me and I and I went to their you know their place in Alabama and photographed their dogs and designed their website and um and that's where it's the big question that you asked I finally get to the answer and that's where Maisie and I and we did we did we were sitting on their porch of their pretty house in um in um Minter, Alabama and um and we talked about how I think it was around the time where it was before Facebook and social media, but it was a time that it was the emergence of message boards. I don't know if you were around for message boards. I would have been if it was I would have been in my before my teens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you missed yeah. the message board. But it was, <laughs> I so was born what, in 1990, were, so I, I saw it, but I oh didn't, God, I wasn't participating. I can't believe 1990. Oh my God, I could be your grandmother. My God. Oh, please. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so there were these things called message boards uh-huh. where people would get on and yak about stuff. It was sort of the for, it was really the forerunner to, to Facebook, to social media, right. where you had just people would get, you know, they would join, you know, and they'd have a, username and password and they would get in and then they could they could talk they right. could yak write about stuff and it's and you know and i would follow these various message boards and mm-hmm. you know, some of the people i knew who they were and, and there were many people that were very vocal yeah. and 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 you were like you know, you get kind of annoyed at the things that they wrote. Oh, like, the same oh, thing now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you'd answer. And, and at some point I realized that, you know, who who the heck are these people, you know? And you right. come to realize that some of them were people who were like, this guy used to have some dog and he used to, and he used to, used to, and yeah. he never really got anywhere. And he likes to hear himself talk. And uh-huh. here you are wasting your time engaged in this stupid conversation with somebody who <laughs> likes to pretend he's somebody because nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing has changed. Exactly. Well, actually a little bit because a little bit, at least on Facebook, you are, you have an identity. Right. You cannot hide. Right. You can't just be this anonymous person <laughs> on there with, you know, all the best knowledge and information. And it turns out you were a real flop at whatever <laughs> you did. Right. So, you know, this became very, so it really was the precursor of social media. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you looked at it and you said, well, that's fine. You know, they, 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 you know, it's a free country and they should have a voice. They have every right to say whatever the heck they want. But it seemed to me and to Maisie that there was no, nothing, there was no, con- there was nothing there was nothing on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the, the idea of stride away always was and, and remains to this day is that we had con- that we wanted to have contributors. And those were people that were had that were respected and knowledgeable people in field trials. Mm-hmm. And we knew that they because they didn't get on these message boards. They didn't get on these message boards. So right. you had to go to them. The idea was to go to them, interview them, you know, or whatever, or write or have them write something or whatever. So they had a voice. Right. And contra- in a sort of in, in as a contrary, that's not the right word, but you know, as as the opposite of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that we said right from the beginning because there were already a lot of complaints, complaints about the judging, complaints, you know, the typical stuff. Mm-hmm. And we said, look, we're we're here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to we're not going to have post any stories. If we're going to 
if we're going to talk about things that are a problem in field trial, we will only do that if if we also um, if we also present a solution. Right. So that always be that was always an important part of Stride Away. That it was not just a you know a place where people just complain because it doesn't do anything. I mean, and I still believe it. Twelve years later, it does nothing to just say this is wrong and this is a problem and this is a problem without saying, Hey, here's, here's, here's a potential solution to this problem. So that, that was the purpose. So when you asked me about the history, you know, the, the history was just a way of kind of, you know, because I'm a history buff Mm -hmm. and I've always been a history buff um, to kind of place things within historical context is important to me. Um, but it, but Strideway's purpose was not to just sort of be like, here's some stuff about the history of field trials. Right. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't one or the other. It wasn't that we would not present that historical information, but it was not, you know, but it was not the sole purpose of Strideway to, to present historical information about field trials. It was really to give voice to um, the, the people in the sport that really were, you know, very knowledgeable. Okay. And you know, we did we didn't get to everybody for sure. There's an awful lot of people who we, you know, never got a chance to ask to do stuff, but um well, maybe, I, I, maybe, maybe we still have time. <laughs> um, I, I I hope so. I hope you do. Now, what I guess out of all of that because that it, it's it, what you guys have done is such a special thing. I mean, I I really hope you know, not that you guys need any you know, not not need my help, but I mean, for the listeners that I guess haven't seen Stride Away, however few that may be, um, I hope that it it becomes a, a, a reference source like it has for me. Um, but like I said, what you guys have done is very, very special. But my question to you is out of all of this, what is the what's the most special part about that endeavor? Like what really resonates with you about that whole thing? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. I um, I think what I what I like, and I, what I like to do, and I'm not, and I'm not expert at it, is exactly what you're doing right now, which is I really liked to, I really like doing podcasts, yeah, because I because here, you know, you can write things about what people say, but hearing them say it in their own voice, mm-hmm. um, is is really is really special. And one of the things that really, and it still bothers me because um, I, I don't know how to get this stuff, but um, we did one podcast that was called Tall Tales. I don't know if you listened to mm-hmm. it. Did you? I did. Yep. <laughs> I've actually listened to all of your so podcasts. I to do more of those things because I can't tell you how funny some of these guys mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and, you know, and you can't make them you can't do this. You can't go like, okay, now start being funny. Right. You know, I've got, I've got the recorder now start being funny. Right. But some of the things that come, you know, who's a really funny guy is Alan Vincent. Okay. And he, he, he will have you just rolling on the floor laughing, you know, and, and, and in no mean way about anything, Right. just stuff that comes out of some of these guys' mouths that just, you know, you, you just, you, and you just want to capture it because it's so part of the culture of field trials, so mm-hmm. part of the experience mm-hmm. that, you know, what these guys, you know, especially guys that have been in it for a long, long time, Andy and Alan and, you know, just the 
bunch of them, you know, they, they have seen it all, right. you know, every, every, and it's not funny at the time, I'm sure, but over the course of a lifetime, I'm sure they kind of just shake their heads and go, I don't know, you know, right. just, I don't know how to explain it in any other way, but those are things that are, those are things I, I, I would love to do more of that is more podcast interviews because hearing these guys speak with their own voice and and telling things the way they are i think you know like like you know obviously you know we all know about robin's passing but Mm -hmm. i i'm so so happy that i did that interview with him which we did at his camp um in broom hill about Mm -hmm. wood and joe shadow right and you know and he he, I remember, you know, being in his, all the dogs were barking because it was time to feed. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he talked about Silverwood, he, he really had this little glint of a little tear in his eye. I mean, he loved that dog. Right. You know, I mean, Joe Shadow is a great field trial. And I don't mind saying it because Butch Houston owned him. And he was a great dog. But Silverwood was the dog that was in, in Robin's heart. Right. And, um, you know, when you capture those things, those those are forever. You know, people want, listen to that stuff, and you know, you kind of go, you're just happy that you did it because, mm-hmm. you know, well, life life is short, and it, things it, go it, by. It really is, and I'm glad you got like you know got a chance to listen to it. And much like you, you know, my inspiration, and you're down there with those guys, is the black, you know, trialers. Um, you know, and not that I don't like talking to everyone, but yeah, you know, for me, it's a personal history where you see like African-American history in as far as bird dogs and field trials has never been documented. So, right. You know, you you ought to, you ought to like somebody like Maisie who, who learned so much from, um, David Johnson, mm -hmm. who, you know, I saw him, um, at the Florida in 2013, 2014, when I was taking pictures. And I just, you know, you, I, I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that Johnson. I never, I don't know if you ever saw the pictures. You probably didn't, but Mm-mm. the pictures that I took of him, you, I mean, just immaculate horse, immaculate. Really? I'll go back and yeah. look through him. I hadn't seen him yet. She learned so much from him. Because, of course, this, you know, the, you know, I mean, they were handlers, but they were the scouts. But, right. you know, at that time, those scouts that what was different was that was in the time when the handlers had scouts, mm-hmm. they were their scouts. They were not anybody else's of course today. They, these guys scout for each other. Right. They can't afford to have a scout. Right. They have to just, you know, or they pay scouts, but they can't afford to just in those days, you know, with the, you know, with the, the people who, you know, Clyde Morton and people who had scouts, those guys knew those dogs inside out and backward. It right. wasn't, they didn't scout those dogs. They trained those they dogs. Train. Well, and somebody they, like Man Rand, and, example. Yeah. I mean, no, you know, and, and, you know, it just, you know, wonderful that he did get in the hall of fame and there's probably more guys like that, that should have got mm-hmm. in the hall of fame that probably will never get there, you know? Right. Well, there too, but, um, but in the, and those people could have been, you know, those guys could have been handlers, but it just was that time in the history of this country that, you know, that they weren't, that right. they weren't the scouts, they weren't the handlers. Right. And, and, and that's the thing that, again, is important. It's important to me 
for me to document everyone, but just as a part of my own black history. And again, yeah. I'm and, yep. and I'm being from Atlanta too, like it's not a whole lot of us up here that yeah. even have bird dogs. So when we run across each other, it's like, Oh wait, Whoa, hold on. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And you know, my, you know, mentor and, and, and friend Neil Carter, you know, who's down there at, um, Sincola plantation, you know, that, that's, yeah, I don't know him. Yeah. I'll, well, if you are, so sidebar, I'm coming down there, um, for the handlers trials, uh, oh, mon- Monday. Yeah. Why don't you come with me? Yeah, no, that'd be great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. we are getting so off the track. You know, people, I hope you have to edit all this stuff. Out. I, you, you know, know what? what if you don't mind, I love it because it's, it's a genuine conversation. Oh, I love it. You mean this coming Monday? I'd love to do yeah. that. That'd be great to meet okay. you. Yeah, that'd be terrific. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. I'll give you the 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 address and stuff like that. But, yeah. Um, oh, I know where it is. I know where Sincola. I mean, I don't. Not you. Yeah, you'd let me know where. To, where I mean, I know where Sincola is. Yeah. Yeah. where the trial is out it's in i think it's in boston georgia um last yeah. year it was at may hall um i don't yeah. i can't remember if it's gonna be the same but i have the address written down i just got to mm-hmm. get it to you and i'll send it to you but um you know you'll see you know just that part of history but regardless you know yeah. I, I i and and um craig and i talk about this all the time where that whole history of african-american handlers we were the scouts back then and yeah, you know there was a time, but it, when, but it wasn't just. That's what I'm saying is that they didn't. You know, they scouted the dogs, but, but they, they actually them. they trained the dogs. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, he, man, ran trained those dogs. Right. And I'm not. I'm not saying that Clyde Morton had nothing to do with them. Right. But you know, it is a different. Th- those dogs. Those those scouts knew those dogs inside and, out and, and out. backwards. Yep. Yep. They knew where they would be. They knew their character. They knew, you know, so it was a different deal. You know, now some people like, you know, like Tommy and Luke, you know, they, they're, you know, where there's guys where they, they know each other's dogs or, or, you know, Judd and Jamie, they know the dogs, but, but not in the way that somebody that their sole thing was to train mm-hmm. one, one handler's dogs and know right. them. And know them probably, in and out. Probably. As, as well as they, they would not, I, I'm convinced they would not have won as much as they did without the help of those without scouts. I'm going to, um, a, a gentleman, Michael Kennedy, he sent me a story on man ran. I'll send it mm-hmm. to you as well. Um, yeah. that you might think was kind of cool, but I yes, mean, I'd love to actually, you know, cause we did this, this, at least one or two things on stride away about man ran. Yep. Yep. But if you have something else like that, we'd love to add that. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll send it to you and, and, and get, okay. you know, Michael's permission. I mean, he sent yeah. me the story, but I'm sure he, you know, hopefully won't yeah. mind, but I'll, I'll well, and you know, to David Johnson, somebody you ought to go. That's I'm looking guy. on the website now and I'm where, um, have you uploaded? I, I can get you whatever you know. I'm, you know, I don't, he hasn't been to the Florida in, you know, the last years, but he was there certainly in 2013. I have to go look if the pictures were all from 2013, but I thought they were 2013 and 14, but you know, he's not, an, he's not, you know, he's not an old guy. So yeah. I could definitely, he's definitely somebody you should talk to. Cause okay. he, um, if you can put, look, put me in contact with him. I would yeah, love I will to do meet that. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. 
<laughs> see, see what happened when I, I told you I was going to have an, an exciting conversation. <laughs> yeah, see, I know we got way off the beaten track. Way. <laughs> well, it, this is the best part of it. So let's. All right. <laughs> I'm going to stay on the rails this time. <laughs> okay. Let's let's so let's practice right away. Right. So that's how we did it. And, the, and I'll tell you, the dog, I was the name stride away came from. Hawkwalls, the modern pointer, and I was mm-hmm. just looking for a name. Right. I was looking for a name, and I saw I came across Stride Away, and I thought that's a cool name. Yeah. And I saw the dog, and I thought, well, you know, he wasn't a great dog. You're you're right; he didn't mm-hmm. have much of a chance, but he wasn't a great dog. But I thought, but it's a great name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, I, and, and I mind thought, you, that book is my primary resource too. But um, oh, is it? Yeah. Well, you're lucky you have. You know, those books are hard, hard I, to I, find. You know, so you're it. lucky if you have that. Yep. Um, but. Um, I just thought because so much, not that, it, you know, I don't put anything, I don't underrate, you know, the dog on point, but like lots of people say for, you know, if you watching a dog for an hour, or two hours or three hours, most of the time they're running. So I think that, you know, so that, so we wanted something different, not field trial, blah, blah, field, you know. So, you know, we wanted something that would sort of stand out. And so I found that and I said, Maisie, what about stride away? And she said, yep. So one more thing that stands out is those waypoints on your Onyx Hunt app. Make sure, guys, that you all are still utilizing the app, going out scouting and finding new places for the hunt next season, new training spots for the spring and summer. You can use my promo code GDN20, if you haven't already, for 20% off the Onyx Hunt app subscription. really a catchy name now stride away just for folks that don't know was a king of canton pearls dot um you know uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and 19 <laughs> in 1893 and 94 um yeah. is most most talked about uh derby so yeah. i thought that was kind of cool <laughs> you know i yeah. look at I, I went back and i was like let me go back and make sure that when i get on the line with miss math and like <laughs> you know i wouldn't remember if you looked it up you're probably remembering mm-hmm. it better than all i know is i looked at it i was looking for a name and i thought yeah i like that yep. stride away oh, yeah so let so. me ask you this and in, in your experience or or or, or um observation there's a lot of great dogs that get campaigned and, and that you hear about, but what do you, what do you think about like just a, a real or perceived percentage? How many dogs do you think lack opportunities that should be campaigned? Like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, you don't even have to finish. I'm going to tell you that, that <laughs> yeah, because in the, and this is in the minds of many, this is what I've heard from many people I call and lots of people who I admire. Mm-hmm. There are, there, who knows how many dogs that could have been great champions did mm-hmm. not have the opportunity, mm-hmm. whether it was, you know, early on through illness because they, you know, you think of how many kennels were just destroyed oh, yeah. through, I mean, just, you know, things that today we are unheard of, mm-hmm. but, um, and, um, and how many dogs just, you know, whether they were derbies that were run and were just ruined because they were pushed too hard or mm-hmm. they're, you know, where they were in the wrong hands or whatever it was. But I, you know, I think, I think most people, 
um, think probably lots, right. lots of dogs that had a lot of potential, but they just didn't have the opportunity, whether it was not being with the right people or not having it recognized or, you know, I think one, and I'll, I won't go deep into this, but I think a lot of times people underestimate, you know, we think that they're all every day a dog, bird dog wakes up and he's feeling great. Right. You know, you might feel, you might wake up and feel like, oh man, I don't feel so good today. You know, I don't know if it's my, you know, if I ate the wrong thing or I just got a bug or something. Right. Dogs don't, you know, every time you let a dog, they, they aren't, every day they aren't perfect, you know, right. or they, maybe they got something wrong with them. Maybe they aren't feeling good, you right. know, and I think a lot of times people I make very quick decisions about dogs mm-hmm. that, you know, based on maybe their own whatever is going on with them or something. So, yeah, I think that there probably were a lot of dogs historically as well as today that don't get the opportunity. You know, they get a pretty quick look over and then it's like they're either, you know, or they end up in the wrong hands. They just don't end up with people who really know how to to develop them, which is a different idea than, you know, I think what you see a lot with amateurs is, um, Kind of over time, I've seen this a lot of times. They kind of blame the dog when mm-hmm. the dog they buy it, they buy a pup, and um, they and the dog doesn't make it. And it's sort of, it's always the dog's fault, right? Like really, I don't know, maybe you just didn't do that good a job developing the dog, right? Because that's the little word I like to use, you know, it's not training, it's developing, it's developing, right? Because and, and it, that and that and that gives it much more of a longer vision. Saying develop, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a little bit longer yeah. of a, uh, understanding yeah. the long yeah. race. Yeah. Whereas there are, I think there are people that, you know, they're all trainers who are, have been in at it long enough, you know, that can look at a young dog and say, yeah, they got it or they don't. Right. You know, they, they see things that other people will not see. And, um, and that doesn't mean they aren't, they aren't, you know, for example, if it's an all age guy, that doesn't mean it's not a, it's not, you know, wouldn't make a good, you know, shooting dog, you know, a tremendous shooting dog, mm-hmm. but they can look at it and say, it doesn't have what I need on my string right. to compete, to be competitive, to, to, to beat what I have. I think that's the way they look at it. It's like, can this dog beat what I have? Right. I, and if I, they can't, then they look at it and say, okay, it's because, you know, there's lots of dogs and if they, they aren't going to put it, they're not, they cannot put effort into a dog that isn't going to be top notch. It's so, it's so interesting. You say that, um, I was speaking, you know, Tommy Rice has been a very good friend and let me ride his horse. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had him on the podcast, um, before, you know, he's my neighbor, right? No, I did not know. I know y'all stayed in the same. He's literally, I don't, he's not a mile from, he's around the corner. He's not a mile from my house. Oh, wow. I didn't know y'all stayed that close. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he, he has been just a tremendous influence um, on me and it was such a pleasure to, to get to know him and ride, but Mm -hmm. we were talking Mm -hmm. on a podcast and um, he was like, you know, and I thought this was kind of cool. You know, any one of his dogs on his string on any given day can beat the other, you know, and I thought that yep. was pretty uh, a, an interesting take, you know, on, mm-hmm. on developing a team or, or, or a field trial string, uh, you know. So if it's if you're not getting any better than what you just had. Yep. You know, then, then what yep. are we doing? 
Yeah. Well, no, and they have to be pretty. And it's not like it's it's not. Here's what I think is that when people say things like that and people people hear things like that, they think that, oh, that's a useless law, dog. Right. No, they are far, far from from that. Far from it. Yeah. They're they're probably still, you know, 60 percent better, 80 percent better than the average dog. Absolutely. You know, that's how competitive it is in the, in the open stakes that the dog that maybe cannot win in the open stakes or, or isn't top notch in the open stakes where there's all age or shooting dog does not mean that it's not, you know, a competitive dog in the amateur or, or a phenomenal dog, you know, as a hunting dog or a, or a plantation dog. Right. It does not mean, I think the st- the standard is so high now. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that's where kind of where where they're at with that, right? Right. And so people shouldn't misinterpret that and think, "Oh, well, that's kind of a washout dog." Right. And 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 people, you hear that term "washout," and how many people are? Wa- I, I'm always curious. How many well, people, people are calling make wash- washout dogs? Right. That, that's my question. People, like, they, yeah, washout dogs these days are not bred; they're made. Right. You know. Right. That, that's that's I, in my in my not so humble opinion. It's like that's what happens <laughs> is that is that you know people mess up, they mess up, and whether it's an amateur, I, it's mostly. I mean, I want to say it's probably mostly the best pros don't mess up. Right. On dogs, the best pros learned a long, long time ago that if you're in a crappy mood. <laughs> and they aren't, you know, they do this as a living and they, they, they know that you, the, you can't make, mis- you don't want to make mistakes with dogs. Right. And it, it, what I mean, I mean, like, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but I think, you know, mistakes you make with dogs isn't that you hit them a little bit too hard with a collar. Mm-hmm. The mistakes you make with a dog is like, I'm in a crappy mood. I don't feel like doing this and I'm going to get mad at this dog mm-hmm. because it, that's a mistake that a dog that that you may not get that dog to ever be his full potential. Right. If you mess him up cycle, it's more like psychological than it is physical. You know, if you hit him a little too hard with the collar, you know, and he did, he did something and he did something wrong. It's like, okay, well I messed up here and you trained me right. So I know I did. Right. But I think, I think that the biggest problem with amateurs is they, um, they lose their cool with the dog. I think a dog is more easy. This is my own personal opinion. Mm-hmm. From my own experience, too, you know, that, that you'll mess up a dog by yelling at it. They don't understand that. Right. You know, they don't know what that means. Um, so if you, if you, you know, it's, it's not abuse, but if you just get the dog confused, mm-hmm that way then they're there my 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 very limited was having trained maybe 20 dogs in my life and having made all of the mistakes that amateurs make is that um th- those are the things that dogs that they don't they don't forget those things mm-hmm. as much as you think i really didn't mean to get mad at you they kind of it kind of sticks right you know you make that mistake where you get mad at the dog for because you're in a crappy mood or right right I don't, or, I don't know or, to, or too short tempered i mean just yeah. straight up too short tempered yeah. i mean or you know and i think the other thing is when uh you know when you do when you think that the dog has um 
oh, I made you look silly or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just maybe, maybe the one thing that I think women maybe have less of an aptitude for mm-hmm. than men, where they kind of are embarrassed that a dog might have made them look like it might have embarrassed them because they didn't do as well as they did. But, um, right. No, I, I agree. I, and I, another little tangent I have always found women trainers the hand in, in training a dog to just be a little bit better <laughs> like well I think women I think I mean this is the, the the difference I think is that women naturally have patience mm-hmm. I mean women have children yep. so they they you know they they naturally are are made to have more patience and uh, and that doesn't mean that there are no exceptions there are lots of men trainers that have learned or have always had patience and there's a lot and there are probably women trainers who have no patience right. but i think in general that for me i would let, let me just not say in general i would say for me that when i feel when i know i don't compete now but when i feel trialed i was i was self-competitive mm-hmm. so in other words i was not as consumed with I was not at all consumed with beating anybody I was I was and I wasn't consumed at all but I wanted to I I wanted to best myself right you know what I mean so I think and I think that's maybe a little bit healthier place right you know in terms of how the in terms of the dog because I didn't ever take it out on the dog Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying let me just let me just go backpedal a little bit. I'm not going to tell you that I never did that with a dog, right? Because I've had dogs where I made the mis- I made mistakes and I got mad and I'm like, damn it, you know, I'm not, you know, I, whatever. And I made and I made mistakes in mm-hmm. you know, where I would mess up and do the wrong and make completely the wrong call. Right. And but I but I but I did learn from right. those things. Hopefully, most people do learn from their mistakes right. and realize that that was not a way that there was no way forward right. that way. You well, know. So well, and I and I'm learning that lesson too. You know, um, I I ran my dog. We've been hunting for a while. I've been hunting, but trialing. Mm-hmm. You know, getting into that has been a, a, a game changer for me because now I really see. It's different than just coming home and saying, oh, okay, I want to get my dog ready for hunting. And I think that's a a very, um, I don't want to say base level because it puts it down, but like it's a very early on thing to do when you're starting to get ready for trials and you get into one, you start to see your shortcomings. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with my dog, I ran him derby um, at Rocky at the Rocky Creek trial um recently in uh in Campbellton, Florida. And, you know, I'm running against pros, right? Fred Rail and all of those guys. And yeah. I, I, yeah. I, uh-huh. it, it was good because my dog, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think my dog Vegas found more birds. If I'm not mm-hmm. but the reason we didn't place was because his race was too short. You know, and even mm-hmm. the judge told me like, I mean he looked good finding birds, but mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? He was he, he yeah. was way too and so I can't get mad at that. You know, that's something that we had. And he's young, you know, whereas yeah. a lot of folks get upset with a dog and, uh, you know, and get to hollering. Well, the dog's a year old. You know what I'm saying? Like right. he, he's got and, to. And no, and, and exact. And you're right. And plus, whatever his natural range is, you aren't going to get, you aren't going to change. 
you know, you're not going to change that. Nope. He's either going to get confident and run more, or that's just where he's going to be. Right. And you're not going to change any of that by sorry but this is what i am right but, um yeah no I, I yeah no i think you're right i know but see the other thing there's an there's sort of an opposite to that too which is i i don't think i think um you know and i don't get you know uh, the hardest thing about moving down here being surrounded by being surrounded by plantations and quail is that i don't go bird hunting and i swear next year i will um <laughs> well i will I take you to my I wild bird can, spots can down can there say you that i that i love to bird hunt i can honestly say i love to bird hunt more than i well i love to bird what i mean bird hunt i mean wild birds like right. quail i mean a quail like like grouse and woodcock right more well, than i like love a, to feed and nothing has ever taught me more than than hunting my dogs mm -hmm. because what happens when you hunt, in my experience, what hunt happens when you hunt your dog is that you go out, and, I, and I've hunted a lot by myself too, mm -hmm. uh, where it's like, okay, you you have your job and the dog has his job. Right. There's no there's nobody watching you. There's right. nobody who's going to say, well, the dog didn't run enough or it, didn't, it came from behind or <laughs> anything. Right. It's just if you're going to have a successful hunt, you know, the dog has to do his job mm -hmm. and you do your job. And, um, um, it, it takes the pressure off, but it, it allows you to learn a whole lot about yeah. like, is that happening? Right. You know? And, um, it, it's, and when it does, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. Oh, yeah. when it does. No, so I, I don't ever put down people hunting their dogs because ultimately, you know, they are bird dog. What mm -hmm. we have, field trials they're bird dogs right you know and if we don't have hunters if we don't have people that bird hunt we don't have a reason to have field trials exactly we really don't yeah. so well um, I, I i will agree with you there um and it does something that uh, like put it this the way i see it i and i i cut my dog's teeth on wild quail down where you are um, I've mm -hmm. got a few spots on public land and mm -hmm. it changes the dog. I mean, it, 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 I don't care how many pin raised birds that you have. And I guess this goes oh, into absolutely. my, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a night and day difference and they have to, they, it, it is nothing you can do. Nature has to take its course with that mm -hmm. dog and those birds have to, you know, they're going to leave. Right. And well, I think what happens and that, you know, and you're further on questions that you had for me about, about wild birds yep. is that what the difference, the major difference is that, and I, and I have asked, and I know that I've asked many of the top trainers, including Robin Gates about, you know, what, what characteristics they really, you know, it, not just look for, but that they really find important, you know, nose, you know, endurance, strength, all of those things. But the top of that list has always been intelligence mm -hmm. and tell it. And you, and you will only see that with, with wild birds yep. because it isn't in the case of whether it's quail or grouse, rough grouse or whatever it is. Um, it is not just point. It's not just having a nose and finding the birds and pointing them. It's, it's really handling. Yep. It's really getting birds handled. And they, you know, when they're wild birds, 
they have they have something called survival instinct, yep. <laughs> which is very intact. Yep. And 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 only really intelligent dogs know how to outwit. Mm-hmm. You know, a wild bird. Yep. You know, and and like in the field trials, the continental, and then any of these trials down here. You know, one or two days of these field trials going through. You know the country, these birds start going like, okay, like at this time of day, these guys are going to come through and we're getting out of here. Right. You know, so they, they get smart. You know, they, dogs have to, they have to figure out, well, okay, they're, the birds are there, but where are they? Right. You know, and, um, right. So, and like with, with grouse, which is maybe, I, I would still say that rough grouse is probably the hardest bird. I'm going to um, agree with that. And I, I, I flushed one and I still, Hate really? that day. One this well, season. The and... reason is really because not you know it's a big bird mm-hmm. that spends an entire day walking around the woods, you know, feeding. So it's, it has nothing to do with you know. You feel like if you if you're if your sending ability was twice what it was, you probably could smell the grass yourself. Right. Like you can smell. I, I know I can smell pheasants. Right. I'm pretty sure maybe I was a bird dog once, but, <laughs> but, um, but you know, but it's really to do with handling right. because they have, they're such escape artists. They mm-hmm. really, they don't, and they don't escape like pheasants. They don't run in one direction. They run over here, that way, that way, and mm-hmm. they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it really takes a remarkably intelligent dog to suss all that out and go, okay, I, I, I know how to, I know how to get this bird pointed. I mean, and, and, and I don't mean pointed, I mean, accurately pointed. Right. Right. I mean, to me, and it doesn't matter if it's a field trial or if it's hunting, the pointing part is the same. Mm-hmm. And the pointing part is you need to be able to get a shot on that bird. That's, right. that's what, that's what a well handled, you know, that's, there's fines and then there's fines. And, you know, sometimes a dog has a fine. That's just what it is. It might be right off the course. Obviously the dog smells a bird. He's going to point it, right. but a really great find is going to be in there, mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna be really in there. Right. <laughs> no, I, I agree. You know? So would, would you say, and I don't want to do better or worse, but like for the grouse trials up North, I mean, would you say those are are some of our best dogs as as far as like the the cover dog trials? Well, no, I would say that it's always going to be individual dogs. Okay. So I would say that a dog like Bav, and I'm not saying she's, I'm saying in my lifetime she was unique because not only was she a phenomenal dog on grouse right you know you should do an interview with joe mccarl you know but look send him my way now her life was pointing grouse that that's it i mean she she would point people were like well she never points woodcock well yeah she did but it was like a waste of time to her i was like (laughs) i can do this but like let me get on with the other thing because he engaged birds now some people when you say that they're like oh no i don't want a dog to do that you know yeah. And I'm like, no, that's what she did. Right. That that her life was pointing grass for Joe. It wasn't right. pointing it wasn't for herself. It was for Joe. And it was, I'm gonna get this sucker. Right. And I'm gonna get him right. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times you know, in a grass even I saw it where you, you know where because the gallery doesn't it's different, you know, the gallery doesn't often get a chance, but where she would have a bird right in, right in front of her. Right. 
know, which doesn't happen. Does well, not happen. Well, the rumor about hard driving Bev was that she almost hypnotized the birds. Is is it almost? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, a, a really great grouse dog will get a bird pinned where they. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like where they give up. Right. They go like, I don't know what to do with you, but right. I'm I'm not going. I'm not running anymore. I don't know where to go. You got me, right. you know, and they are, and they're escape artists. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, that's, who knows what happens between the bird and the dog, you right. know, but something weird happens between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And a great grouse dog is the winner between those two, right. you know, where they, where they actually get the dog, where they actually get the bird to give up, right. you know, and, I, and it is a remarkable thing. A, a friend of mine, Steve Groy told me a great story about a dog that he had, um, named um sky's blue bell and i knew the dog and she uh, how she ever even got to be she was a setter how she ever her, her whole story was remarkable because she shouldn't even have lived you know three times over she shouldn't have lived but wow. she still did and this crippled up back leg and still she was a three-time grass champion yes. Even though you looked at her, you don't even know how she can run at all. But anyway, she he told me this story, which was remarkable, about how she was working a grouse in a grouse championship, and the bird wasn't going to quit running. You know, just kept, you know, she'd point and the bird would go. She'd point and the bird would go. And um, she finally gave up and made a semicircle around the bird and went. In front of the, where she knew the bird, if she would be in front of the bird, mm-hmm. stopped and pointed. She she was now she was now off wind of the bird. Right. She did not smell the bird. Steve knew she couldn't smell the bird, but she knew it was there. It was right there, and, yeah. it, was, and it was there. So she used her intelligence to point that bird, mm-hmm. and not her nose. Mm-hmm. She just knew it was there. She knew she couldn't. She knew after, you know, pointing and stopping, pointing, you know, pointing, and the dog, would, and the bird would run off. Pointing, and the bird would run off. That she wasn't going to get it done that way. Right. And so she was smart enough to figure out how could she get this bird pinned. Well, if she went in and, you know, stopped it by going in front of it, that she would get it pointed. So it's a remarkable thing because the dog knew the bird was there and it didn't smell the bird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, and, you know, that's and, pretty, that's pretty amazing. And that's what we need to stress. I mean, as owners, handlers, trainers, everybody, like the nose we put so much emphasis on because I think it's the most concrete thing that we can. Yeah. You know, yeah. it seems to be the most. Oh, and it's not to be, not to belittle that at all. Mm-mm. They gotta have great, you know, they've gotta have great sending ability right. for sure. Right. Um. But I mean, I mean, it's the brain, you know, that that's gonna con- control all of that and make and have that yeah. dog make those decisions. You know, so we're we're looking for a dog with essentially good decision making skills. Right. You know, when to turn on the nose, which is most time, and when to turn it off. And and do and do something else, you know. So, right. Um, right. Now, well, that's a pretty unique thing. I think that kind of thing doesn't happen very often. I think it's particular to a rough grouse because, like I said, they mm-hmm. are escape artists. Right. You know, a pheasant, a pheasant is an escape artist, true. But I think that they want they tend more to run in a straight line. Right. So a dog, you know, you've heard these stories of dogs that that will make us that will do the same thing. They'll make a circle around the bird mm-hmm. to stop it and 
because they know it's running right. and they'll make a circle around it and stop it in its track. Right. But, but a grass will go, they, you know, they might go this way. They might turn, they might do, they might do all kinds of stuff. They don't necessarily, they don't do anything very predictable. Right. And that's what's cool about it. That, so that's what's cool about grouse dogs mm-hmm. and you know, where you learn a lot, but you know what, all of the field trials that I've been to, all of the wild bird trials, I don't think there's any of them that you look at and you say, wow, there's not something pretty amazing about these dogs. Right. Like the, um, I went to, um, and it wasn't a trial, but I went up to my friend Kim Sampson's mm-hmm. and Rich um, Heaton in Idaho mm-hmm. three years ago. And, uh, and I, you know, I, you know, they, they said, you know, Kim, Kim, who's a, you know, a good friend and she came and she judged our, um, we had a two hour endurance stake in the grass woods called yep. the Armstrong for several years. And, and we didn't get enough of support support for it, sadly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I asked her to judge it. Um, and, and she was like, Oh, she was reluctant. She was like, I don't know anything about this doc. I said, you know, wild birds, right. You know, wild birds, you'll be able to do this. And she, and she did. And she, you know, she uh, did a great job. And, um, uh, and she enjoyed it, I think. And so she invited me. She said, it's a good year for birds. Um, you know, come out and this would be a great year for you to get pictures. So I said, okay, I'd love to come. And um, so I didn't know they were right. <laughs> they were right close to <laughs> Rich Robertson's place at nine months, whatever that place is where, you know, his grounds there, which mm-hmm. I knew famous, you know, but um, so they picked me up at the airport and they took me and we went right to work the dogs and they had a horse for me and um and it's this you know it's this is just outside of idaho and um you know if you look at it so i can't remember november i guess it was i don't know when it was november i think but um you know this pretty soft hilly country mm-hmm. you know big hill not not just soft not just little hills but you know it's just looked with the with whatever the vegetation the grass it looked real pretty right we went up you know well there's nothing underfoot, but I, I don't know if they're really, I, I guess I, com, I I call them lava rocks because that's what it looked like to me. I don't know what lava rocks are, right. but what it looked but like. It, it gives you a picture, yeah. Just sharp. And and anyway, the, the you know, the the more, the places where they had the most birds, they had the rust rocks. <laughs> I mean, you literally, the horse was not ever did not ever have a foot on something that wasn't rocks. Right. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, and you would, and I remember we'd be going along and they'd be like, that's what they're used to. Right. So they don't think about it. You know, we'd be going along and there'd be a horizon and be, and I'd be, we'd be approaching this horizon. I'd be going, well, surely any second now we will be turning. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. You know, we'd get to that place and it'd be like, I don't know, 60 degrees straight mm-hmm. down. You'd be like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, and you give, you'd give the horses. I, I, lots of times I would just like give the, cause I, you know, I grew up with around, you know, riding and stuff. So I was like, okay, give the horses head and close <laughs> your eyes. And right. that's what I did. And of course the horses there don't make it if they're not sure footed. So right. I kind of, I kind of trusted them. I thought, okay, well, you know, they, they know this, so they didn't put me on a horse that was going to kill me. And right. the truth is the horse, the horse most definitely does not want to 
go down either because they're going to they're going to get hurt if if you if you come off you're going to hit your there's no way you're not going to hit your head on a rock, on a rock yeah. but anyway so but it was if they'd have told me i would have gone no i don't think i want to do that but <laughs> so luckily they didn't tell me and it was really it was really really fun right but um and of course they do have field trials mm-hmm. out there and oh you, I, uh, I love and reading about those dogs like, yeah this these people are crazy um to do this because this this just is nuts. But you know, there's bird but there's birds, there's chucker and huns right. huns and there's a lot and there's a lot of birds. And um and it was an, it was an incredible experience because for, for all kinds of reasons. But um you know, I remember one point we saw we saw the we saw the two dogs we were running and they were at some disc you know, they were there was a ravine between mm-hmm. us and the dog. There was no way we could get to the dog. No way. I mean, this was a this was a you know a ravine that went down. I don't want to like I don't want to even say how <laughs> deep and deep. But right. there, you couldn't go. You know you could not go. Right. And we could see the two dogs pointing and backing, and we could see the chucker running. Really. And then, Saw them took off. We saw that chucker take off. Yeah, it was extraordinary. It was wow. just amazing to see that. But um, but what what because I've always had an interest in gait mm-hmm. and how and you know you know partly you know because I'd been involved with show dog you know showing so I knew something about you know I knew a lot about confirmation right. but kind of got interested in okay well how what's real good confirmation in terms of performance dogs mm-hmm. and um. And so I had, you know, I, you know, uh, I don't know when it was in the 18, when was Martin Tracy, Tracy, but anyway, um, he um, did this wonderful drawing, which I will send to you. Please do. Which was called, and I did a t-shirt of this one time called Speed Lines. Speed and so Lines. He did speed Lines. And it was a drawing of a pointer and it showed, and it had these dotted lines that showed like from the withers to the pointer shoulder to the anyway this you know they had a lot of lines but basically it showed the angulation front okay. and rear angulation and if you know what that is that's something i've always understood and always read about and 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 believe very strongly and this is a feature of, of if you look at hard driving bev and her get mm-hmm. including Rita dog who is very well angulated um basically you, you know you want balanced angulation but if you look at if my experience going out there to idaho because the propulsion in a dog comes from the rear but 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 the hardest part is a dog the dog lands i can't explain this very well but it's the front end that really takes the brunt right and if the dog's shoulders aren't are too straight they're not going to hold, they're not going to hold up in a place like that. Right. So really a place like that, you don't have to understand any of that. What you understand is if a dog's not made right, if they're not built right, they cannot, they cannot endure a place like that. Right. Because it's so every place a dog, every place the dog grunt, hunt, you know, lands is going to be rocks. Right. So you, it's like jolting. Right. So there, there no, there's no soft ground. So, you know, like I, it took me forever, you know, living down here, 
not doing forever, but at least a year where I'm like, what is different about this place? Right. <laughs> it's like, what is different? It's like, it's the coastal plain and they have no rocks. Mm-hmm. They have no rocks here. Well, every other place I've lived in my life, you know, ma- coming from Maine, there's, which is granite, right. it's all rock. It's rocks everywhere. There's rocks. So when a dog runs, you know, you you have a dog, you're running your hunting dog or your field trial dog. You know, he's got a foot, you know, one foot's up here, another foot's down here, mm-hmm. one foot's up rock. Everywhere they run, they're landing on different kind of terrain. Right. You know, one a rock, a, you know, one foot's on a rock, another foot's on a swamp. It's in a swamp. And, and it, that, that takes a lot. You know, when you think about that, that takes, that's a lot of, in, that takes a lot. There's a lot of pounding. Right. on joint right you know when when a dog is is running on on rocks and they're landing on a hard surface that does not give right. at all right so anyway watching these dogs in idaho was just it, it was extraordinary to watch that they watch them you know you know navigate this kind of terrain well i and i i follow um kim sampson on instagram is yeah. west mountain kennel yeah. Um, and I see her posts and things and I mean, them dogs, sometimes they're, you know, crazy 30, 40 degree inclines and, you know, just all kinds of weird wonky stuff. Like, you know, down here it's fairly flat for the most. It's pretty flat. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but every place has its own. You know, I wouldn't, I would never say, well, it's easy down here. Yeah, It's it's just different. Every single place has its own set of, um, you Mm -hmm. know, difficulties whether it's out on the prairies and it's hot or Mm -hmm. cold or hard you know windy and the dogs have to go a long ways to point birds or it's you know or maine where it's swampy and rocky or pennsylvania where it's rocky and hilly and you know or or down here where there's where they where it's you know it's hot and and, you know, it's it, to me the value, which is why it's important to have keep field trials everywhere that we have wild birds, right? Because it, it, every place is going to test dogs in a different way, and in a, in a way, we need all of it, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And, um, um, you know, here there are places like you know the national championship where it's muddy and it's cold and it's awful and it's horrible, and you know, and, and it tests the dog, every place tests the dog mm-hmm. in a and all of those ways are important for our, you know, in how we select dogs. Right. And if we lose part of those, then we will have less to select from. Absolutely. Well, and so, you think about the races between Speed Dial and Valiant, right? The two dogs that, uh, from what it looked like, that found, you know, had the best races, in my opinion. Um, right. You know, they were dealing with some wild situations, you know, and between, for, what was it, extremely cold extremely wet that's those are the two things yeah, that no, you always tough, hear it's a it's a and very three hours yeah it's a tough place for sure if you've ever been i've been there four times and uh, i mean it's probably one of the coldest places i've ever been because it's because of the humidity mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a tough and it's you know and it's a it happens just be a place that if there's a lot of precipitation you know around you know during during the national or just before it or something, it's going to be muddy. Right. And, and it's, and I, and it's hard to explain to somebody until you're there and you watch it and you mm-hmm. think these dogs are running through because see, they have to, in order for them to, to, you know, be on one side of the court cross from one side of the course to the other, they have to cross this, 
wide sort of avenue where all the horses have gone and the mm-hmm. mud. So it's you know it's a it's a tough place for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, one more thing. When I'm down there, I, I got to take you to my wild bird spot down. I don't know if you've been to the particular place that I go to, but, um, you know, yeah, no, where I, do you go? I'd love well, to go. Well, well, you know, it's, it's a special place. So. Okay. We won't, we won't, we won't announce it. No, you're going to, but it is, it is not too far from you. So I'll say, I'll yeah. put it, it's a, it's a very, very special place. And, um, right. We got right. on plenty, plenty wild birds um, down there, so I'm I will just yeah. put it out to you like that, and I and I and I'll give okay. you a call next season. And okay, uh, <laughs> well, you you were going to ask me one other thing, which I would like to because I like to yeah. plug it. Oh, you yeah. were going to ask me about what what Strideway is doing now, which yep. is our project of Youth Field Trial yep. Alliance. Well, that that's and, the second part of this. So go ahead. Okay, so what what we um. Um, what actually we, you know, in June, I don't know, it was, I went to a youth field trial in, um, the Georgia, Florida, mm-hmm. um, field trial club put on youth field trial la- a year ago, last March. And mm-hmm. I went to, it was just, you know, it just it was so, it was so cool. Um, you know, and I, and I thought, you know what, I got, I got to look further into this thing. And I started really kind of partly because I was a, a kind of an awareness and I started seeing more stuff about youth field trials, which, mm-hmm. you know, forever people have been sort of kind of toying with youth field trials right. or doing them for a while and then they would stop and stuff. And I thought, you know what, this, the time is so right for this right now to promote this because um, there's a huge effort all, all over the country to get kids um, outdoors right. and off their devices, right. their devices. You right. Oh, you sound that, like a teacher. A, a <laughs> about kids that, that just are just staring at these stupid things all day long, yep. you know, mental health, physical health, all kinds of stuff. And I thought, you know what? The time is right to do right. this. In the past, you sort of looked at it and you thought, you know, I don't know. Kids never really, that's, I don't know whether this was ever a sport. Field trials was ever a sport that really, you know, where there were kids. But um, because kids, you know, they grew up hunting and being part of field trial families or something, mm-hmm. and that's how they got involved. But it seemed to me that now is the time where it is really because of this concern also with kids' health and um, and kind of getting away from some of the things that they kids grew up with, you know. So l- let me ask you this. Do you think there was some kind of a generational gap? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, we're trying to... You know what? I don't know how to answer that. I think what happened was I think we just got really comfortable with Mm -hmm. thinking that our sport would just keep going and that we didn't have to... We No one knows where the future... Who would ever have... Who would ever have thought, you know, 10 years ago... Uh, Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff would even have existed, right? You know that, or that you know, or that, or the on iPhone that people were glued to twenty four seven. You know, so I, I, I don't think you could have guessed that in the world how the world changes. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody thought about it. But I, but what I do think that I, what I do, what I have noticed is that people. You know, people make assumptions about things. Like mm-hmm. I've heard, I don't know how many people say, "Well, you know, it's because kids don't hunt anymore; they don't get to go hunting, and so, um, you know, that's why field trials are kind of dying because kids don't 
get a start in hunting. And I'm like, you know, the, the people making comments like that, it's like, well, you know, you don't know, you don't, you, this is just your opinion of right. what you see around you. It's not necessarily, you know, for, for one thing, there are other people who see that and go and have actually done things about it, you right. know, like Upland Project, and, you know, just people who go, you know what? We're going to get kids out. Right. You know, the thing is to do something about it. Don't just like complain about it. Just go, okay, look, you know, we know, for example, you know, all the people that I know that, that for whom field trials has been a game changer, right. their life, you know, whether it's the friends they made forever friends, mm-hmm. you know, it's so tight. And so it's so, you know, it's so terrific that they don't that you can't just say look this was our experience and no one else could ever enjoy this the way that we did right i I find that really ridiculous so i look at it and i say you know we have not done a good job at promoting our sport or or even getting the word out to people who would who would really enjoy doing this but Mm -hmm. they don't know it this. So this, that's me, the, the designer and the communications person <laughs> says, look, you know, we, we haven't done a good job right. showing our sport and the fun we have and the, the camaraderie and the, all this stuff. We, we haven't done a good job showing right. this to other people, right. you know? So that's why I'm now convinced that, okay, let's, 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 one angle is let's get the kids in right. because it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in terms of getting kids in and of course you got to think about the parents now, right? So what, what might you say, is there any, have you ever experienced any kind of parental pushback, you know? No, I mean, but part of it is right now. No, I don't know. Th- I think if you said to parents, Hey, we have this wonderful sport, you know, dog. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody who's like dogs and kids, so that is a no brainer. Right. Okay? I mean, have you ever seen a dog with a you know kid and a dog? Right. They're like they're made for each other. You know, they got some telemethy going or something. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I I think most people see that. You know, they get they understand that and they get where okay, well the, then the kid learns how to take care of the dog. That's all good. Yeah. There's nothing. There is no negative thing. And I think people's concern so much about their kids with these devices that they that they're really open to like what, you know, and the thing that's different, you know, there's a lot of things that kids, you know, they get kids out in nature and hiking and doing stuff. But the thing about field trials or or, and even upland bird hunting, same thing Mm -hmm. that's different is that engages you. Right. Different. You know, you are not you are not an observer. Mm -hmm. You are a part. Do you see what I mean? So it's different and you get hooked in a way that's different Well, because you're part of it. You're not just watching. You're not just looking at something and learning that that flower is called a blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You're going, when I see those, it might be a bird. Right. Right. You know, so I I think it's different. And I think that, uh, so I know I've seen no pushback at all, but of course I, you know, I no, I don't, you know, I think that, you know, getting involved, getting people involved that have no connection to this stuff. That's, that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. That's where we're trying to go. It's like, okay, where well, we now have kids involved in, in youth field trials and most of them are somehow connected. Their parents did it or, you know, something, but I, you know, just this past weekend, just yesterday, sorry, not even this past weekend, yesterday, I was at a trial and there was, um, there were two kids, two girls mm-hmm. that had never 
never, never run a dog in a field trial. And they loved it. Mm -hmm. They loved it, you know, and their parents were there like they don't, they had no connection to field trials or bird hunting. And they were just like, well, hey, she wants to do this, you know, and, and they enjoyed it. You know, now it might be different when you start going like, okay, what about suburban kids and city kids? Well, and and see, that's a a battle that I, you know, face with. I mean, I live in the suburbs, but I grew up in the city of Atlanta and most, most kids are not going to be able to keep a a pointer. You see what I'm saying? Like that's not. Oh, I know. I know. I know. But you know what? You do the best you can. There you go. And like next year at the Southern Game Fair, what we're going to do is we're going to have a we're going to have a day we're going to have a field day. Well, you know, we'll work with the kids with you know working with dogs. And you want I want to get kids from, you know, you you think living like like I'm just outside of Thomasville, and you think well all these kids must know what they're surrounded by. Mm-mm. Well, they they don't. They don't they have no clue. They don't. Because they've never had, they don't have access to these, you know, people don't have access to these plantations. Right. They don't know what this stuff is. They don't know what they're surrounded by. Right. So, you know, the, the object would be like, okay, you know, introduce their kids that they like dogs. You know, kids, they either have a thing, they either have a natural, you know, connection to an animal or maybe they don't. I don't right. know. But if you don't expose them. So what if you did? Right. What if you do, you well, know, and, and, it, it, and, you get, and you get to take kids that have never seen this stuff before. You don't mm-hmm. think there's going to be one or maybe five or six that are going to go. They're just going to open their little minds and go, oh, my, you know, I this is this. I love this. I like the dog. I, you know what I mean? They're just right. going to because dogs and kids are it's, it really is a no brainer. Mm-hmm. They're made for one another. You know, they just they connect in a way that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting you said. So, you know, in my neighborhood, I'm fortunate enough just to be around a lot of open land, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. I've still got neighbors relatively close. And, yeah. you know, one thing that kind of, I guess, placates my neighbors from my old barking dogs out back is their kids. Right. Like their kids are right. like, oh, well, what's going on? And he, that guy's got. You know, I don't know who that guy is, yeah. but he's got birds in the back and he's got right. this, you know, and, and and I didn't even know that the neighbor's kids were in the house like, mom, 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 you know, there's birds back there. That guy's got birds. And the parents came to me and were like, we didn't even believe it. But then it was an op- it was a learning opportunity. Right. Where they were right. like, well, right. exactly. what do you yep. do with this? You know, yep. and yep. I get a but chance to show. Yeah. I think that's key. What you're saying is key. It's like, OK, um, you know, how do we, how do we play this? You know, what we want, think what, you know, what the goal is and you think, okay, well, here's an opportunity, you know, we're, because like I said, I I think truly parents are concerned Mm -hmm. about their kids. They, you know, they see them just staring at these stupid little things and nonstop. And they know this is not, you know, they're at the dinner table and all they want is to, you know, finish dinner and go look on their stupid, iPhone. I'm not, right. you know, it's a tool, but in this generation, it isn't a tool. Right. It's not a tool anymore to them. It's their life. It's it's life, and, and I, it and shouldn't I, then be. I, people understand very well this is not a good thing. Right. It is not a good thing for a kid to be staring at this thing and his whole life be, you know, in this little three by six, mm-hmm. whatever that. Well, size. it's. I mean, it's it's affected the education system. You know, I'm a teacher, and yeah, no, no, I'm sure <laughs> it's serious. You know yeah, I'm sure you know very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let me ask you this: from 
it, it, well, first of all, let's talk about the outline and, and format of a youth field trial and how that might different f- differ from a regular trial. Right. Well, well, most of, here's here's how this works. Okay, so Alabama's had youth field trials for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. They've been doing since the mid seventies, mm-hmm. um, and so they basically have a format where they run to what's called a gun dog standard, mm-hmm. which is what that is. Okay. So the dog doesn't have to be broke to wing and shot. Right. Um, and, and that's how they've been doing it. And now Georgia's Georgia through Dixie trace has mm-hmm. are, are doing that too. And that's to that standard. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter. Right. Okay. It does not, it does not matter. If you have a bunch of really, really little kids, they're not going to, they're not going to be doing any of that. Right. Just, it doesn't matter. Just get them out there, mm-hmm. you know? And if, and you know, like I was going to tell you that, uh, you know, I have a, fr- a friend in Minnesota who does grouse trials. And he said to me, he said, look, we don't, we don't know how to do this. We can't get birds, you know, we can't get birds in the spring that are not, that are, that, you know, they're not good flying birds. We can't get that. And, all of us just have our field trial dogs, right. or even if they're retired field trial dogs, the kids are walking. They're not on a horse. Mm-hmm. So you can't make these dogs be bootlickers. So how do I make it work? The dogs run too much. They can't handle these dogs that are out there 300 yards. They right. can't do it. So, you know, I thought about it. I thought, I don't know, Ben. Know what the answer is, you know. I I understand, you know. Even retired dogs are not gonna. But I think what you have to do is really broaden your scope and think. Okay, so maybe for the little little kids, you know, just do a training day, right? You know, where the dogs are not loose. You know, so you have them pointing birds, and you know, and maybe kick them up the bird, and they shoot their little starter pistol. So anything. Right. Okay. Anything that they are capable of doing that might get them go like, oh, that was fun, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and then, and then, you know, and then have, you know, a youth stake for the older kids. You know, maybe they're fourteen. Right. You know, where they got a little bit deeper voice. You know, they can, maybe can handle and help them. You right. know, just help them. It doesn't matter. You don't have to run to any standard. It doesn't. They, first of all. These are not sanctioned trials. Right. No, these are not sanctioned trials by anybody. So the point is just to get the kids out and get them. And but there are parts of field trials that you can, you. I mean, you can. The, the most important thing is to teach them stuff like field trials are about. You know, they. You know, it's a competition, but historically, and, the, and we want this. You know, there's sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. So. No, help your help your little bracemate friend. You know, if you right. see their little dog, you help them. But um, so there are all these great things we can instill in these kids, and then they get and if we and if they enjoy it, then they'll want to do it when they're when they're like maybe they get to be four, you know they're maybe they're ten and then four years later they're like I like way for the thing about getting little kids involved, which I saw this past weekend too, and I see it everywhere. When they're really little, they have so much. And I remember being this way when I was a kid. They have so much confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. They're they are not. They have no inhibitions whatsoever. You know what I mean? They just mm-hmm. they don't care. They don't like. Well, do I sound funny or do I look funny or nothing? So if you do this with little kids, by the time they're a little bit older, and you say, okay, now 
you know, you're going to do this kind of more for real. Right. They have no, there's nothing going to stop them. They've been, they've already been doing this. Right. You know what I mean? So that's a huge, I think that's a huge thing. And if they like, if they enjoy it, like these two, you know, I was at a field trial in Alabama where the kid who won, that was his first time and he won. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, it was very cool. And I'm going to do this. So I'm going to figure this out. But he had, he was wearing a little Purina cap Mm -hmm. and cap was signed. And I thought, wow, what's that? And he said, I said, whose signature is that? And he said, George Tracy. You nice. Know, that kid will never give up that hat. Of course never. not. He I wore wouldn't that either. Cap <laughs> and won that field trial, he is never going to give up that cap. Mm-mm. Nope. And, thought, and you, you don't know, know what that just did for that kid. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he never did this before. And there he was and he won. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wasn't a like, well, I beat these other kids and I'm better or anything. He was just so proud, mm-hmm. you know, and all it takes is that kind of experience, whether they win or not, or they do a good job, something to encourage them for them to keep going. Right. So I, my own feeling is if we can get kids involved and we can keep them in it for long enough, which means our willingness to do it right. in whatever way we can, for long enough for them to get hooked. Right. Now they're going to, they're going to go through, okay, now I'm going, you know, now I'm going, I got a girlfriend. I don't want to do it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm going to call it, you know, all kinds of stuff. But the very least of what we've done is we have shown them something that they will always remember as something that they enjoy doing. Right. You know, and the most we can do is that they will come back right. and do it some more. Right. You know, um, so there is no reason not to do it. It's, it's all positive, and I think we really we haven't ever done it. We've never really tried hard. We've done it, but we haven't tried in a way that, that in a sustaining kind of way. And so that's the whole point of Youth Field Trial Alliance is not to say, well, you need to do it this way or that way. It doesn't matter. Do whatever way you can, and then we will put it out. We will promote it and put it out there and connect people so if you've got some field trial club in minnesota that has a particular issue like well we don't know how to you know how do we do this and we don't know how to and then you got some other club in maine you know and they can connect and say okay this is how we do it and how we've had success doing it so if we can connect people um part of it you know they're going to maybe solve some of their issues but the other thing is i think you know field trial hey you know if you compete in field trials, you're a competitive person, you know? Right. So all of a sudden you see oh, all these people in the South are doing this and all these people over here are doing that. Well, why can't we do it? Right. Well, we can do it too. You know? So that's the aim is that we really get people to do it and we do it and do it in a sustained way so that we, you know, we get this going in something, it's something that will continue and not just, you know, a few couple of years and then people go, you know, we just don't get enough people. We don't get enough kids and it's not doing it. If you show people it's having an effect in other parts of the country, I think that they will continue. They will do it. Right. They will. So that's the, that's the hope and the effort and, um, with, uh, youth field trial line. So, and you can find us on Facebook and then we're working on, and I'm working on a website. So hopefully that'll be up in the next, um, you know, in the next month and okay. then, then there'll be a place to archive 
stuff. So it won't be, you know, Facebook, just, you know, you don't know who sees stuff or whatever, right. but um, that, that way, this way it'll be a way to archive. Right. You know, well, well, you know, I, as I said before, I want to, you know, use my platform to, to support as well. So you let me know. Yeah. However, I will, I will. And the other thing I want to say about it is that if this thing, and, and I feel positive about it is that there is no, for me, it's it's all the same. I promote, you know, I'm a I'm an avid bird hunter and always will be. Um, so for me, it's like okay, we we can get this going with pointing dogs trials, which are the hardest trials I think to show people mm-hmm. uh, because you know you're either walking, you don't see much, or you're riding on a horse, and if you don't have a horse, then you know. So, um, but there is no reason we cannot expand this then to um, the retriever mm-hmm. folks. And to the flushing dog folks mm-hmm. and then connect with the people who are like Upland Project who are promoting getting kids out hunting. Yep. We are all in the same boat. And it's important to understand that if we come together as one big group, now we're not talking about a few hundred or a few, you know, a thousand or so. We're not talking about an enormous group of people whose goals are all the same really when it comes down to it that we now are you know we we now have a voice because there's enough of us and we need to get past the thing that you know you have hunters who don't you know in the past it was like well hunters don't like field trialers Mm -hmm. field trialers don't care about hunters well we're past that we're like we need to be one if we want to keep all the things that we're passionate about alive Mm -hmm. we need to be one big voice She is definitely right, and I want to piggyback off of what she just said. Guys, go to strideaway.com now and support the Youth Field Trial Alliance. You know, anything from decals to books, literature, and all of that helps the cause. Also, if you are not a member of your local conservation chapter, Rough Grouse Society, Quail Forever, whatever it may be, go ahead and get active in that cause today. important you said it so project upland like you know my podcast and project Upland, we partnered right so we i do a lot of writing for them so on and so forth and you know my interest has always been in the development of dogs and field trials and things like that in addition to hunting you know i mean all that whole well project upland is a little more hunting based if we have hunting we don't have field we don't trials. have it we and don't see, have anybody who wants the dogs right you know i mean and, no and that but that's why you know we i've taken on this particular role in talking about field trials with project yeah. upland because that was an avenue that aj and i had discussed and was like hmm we're you know he came to me and was like you know Darrell, like you know you know, I know you're very interested in field trials. You've always talked about it. I think Project Upland, you know, needs to go in that direction. I was doing it anyway. So it's always something that, you know, needed to be done. Yeah. To bridge that gap. There's so many hunters that are just like. You're absolutely right. And I, I don't know anybody. See, I don't, all my friends that bird hunt, I mean that field trial bird hunt. I mean, yeah. I, I all of the people that I that I field trialed with in Maine, um, we all bird hunted, right. you know. And most of the guys down here, as you know, Tommy, as, mm-hmm. these guys all, you know, they they go, they hunt, they take people out and hunt. Right. So, um, but I you think know, there's a there's a, a a a large amount of people that have an intimidation, you know, from field trials, and they hunt. 
but for whatever reason are having yeah. aversion to it. And so now it's time for us to bring all yeah. that together. It, no, yeah. It, no, that's, you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's no, we don't have time. We really need to do that because, yeah. and I think everybody understands that, Yeah. that, you know, I think you just need to really kind of articulate it and people kind of go, you know what? We need, we need to see ourselves as one big group right. that maybe I don't care about field trials. You know, maybe that's something that doesn't interest me that much, but I love the bird hunt and uh-huh. maybe some field trailers might say, you know, I don't care really about going out and shooting birds, but they have to acknowledge that, you know, we, if we don't have, if we don't have bird hunters, we have nobody, there is no purpose to what we do because right. there's nobody who's, who's buying all this, who's buying the dog. I right. mean, if we don't have, owners that care about most of the owners are people whose background is bird hunting. Right. You know, it's like, um, so we are, we are one group and I think it's important at this stage that we need to really just come together and say, we, you know, whatever your preference is, doesn't matter. We need to support each other and, um, and, um, be just one big loud voice because we haven't had much of, you know, there's, there's a big voice for, you know, big game hunting and stuff. But I think the up and bird hunting has just not had that loud voice, you know? Right. I I agree. Well, you know, in, in light of that, cause I didn't kept you two hours. I I want to, um, you know, I kind of want to talk, you know, as a conclusion and the recent, um, breeding that you had going on with Jamie Daniels dogs because you you cleared out my youth trials questions so oh, right yeah I don't we haven't we didn't get it you know he's been it's hard during field trial season because he's okay. been at the national and he's I don't know if he's home yet because he stopped in um Mississippi to do some of those trials okay so I don't we may have missed we may have missed the opportunity but um um well, uh, you know, I, I met Jamie a few years ago and he, um, I, I admire him a great deal and, and like the kind of dog that he's been breeding and producing. And, um, and as you know, um, the dog, the young dog that I have, Maxine is, um, from, from Franklin uh, and her sire confidence is a grandson of, um, Fun Seekers Rebel. Yep. So I I'll have be getting one of those dogs just, this I summer. I do not, I'm not, a, I have not bred lots of dogs, but I have, a, but I've studied you know lines and i have strong feelings about what i what direction i would go into and i um feel strong about sort of keeping in families right and so and i and i I, and i like jamie's i particularly like his dog that doesn't mean i don't like other dogs but i particularly know and like his dogs right and they are um you know really really good bird dogs Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense to also the dog that I'm looking at, um, the two that uh, several of the dogs I was looking at, they, um, um, their dam is a litter mate sister to, um, Sean Derrick's, um, Aaron's red rum. Okay. Who has contributed in a, in some really good ways. I think okay. um, him that he's, you know, he's a, he's a really kind dog and he's, and he's got good size to him and he's really well, you know, he's well made. And, um, so, um, 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 Frank's had a lot of success breeding to him and getting females out of him that have, that have, that have nicked well right. with his breeding. And, um, so it just makes a lot of sense to kind of breed back to that. And, um, so that's kind of how that decision got made, but we'll see if we, we'll see. Right. <laughs> we'll, see. well, I, I'm in the yeah, same boat. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm waiting to see if a, a breeding takes next month. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
it'll be yeah. a fun seeker rebel and miller dog so we'll be kind of mm-hmm. hovering around the same ballpark sort of kind of right right um now um and my last question i want to go to jack harper um okay i want to go to jack harper so i'm reading his book bird dogs and field trials now yeah. talk yeah. about his influence on our understanding of bird dog field trial app attributes mm-hmm. well you know i <laughs> i had a boyfriend <laughs> when i first started in field trials who got bought a book that book mm-hmm. and I, I have one of the copies that <laughs> it's got all the you Me know too. This goes <laughs> you, you, do you have one of those I have that like, copy, yeah. this goes over here and this <laughs> goes like he was very pissed off about all that stuff mm-hmm. but uh, it's funny but um you know i actually love that book too um because i really it, i'm very interested in history and the vernacular history of you know, his family moving to Texas after mm-hmm. the war. That's kind of interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I think he was an interesting guy. And um, um, so I, you know, I like, I love, I love all those old books, you right. know. And um, you, do you have the Ed Mac Ferrier book? Our- I, I, no, I don't. Well, you need to order it because we redid the book okay. and it's, it's got another, I mean, if you, is it, if it's on the Strideaway rep website. It's uh, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. It's, it's, um, bird dogs and, um, and, uh, anyway, the men who handled them, whatever, whatever it was, but, um, um, I will order that ASAP. I, I find all that stuff really interesting. And I really, I really enjoyed his book and his description of, you know, his dogs like the texas ranger mm-hmm. and get out there and get up on his pine legs and look for him and you know there are people who would say ah you know the dog didn't really do that you know and i read it and i go yeah he did right i bet he did i you get the sense that he had a really um he, he really did have a very close connection to his dogs you know, I, you, you can't you can't help but think this right. guy really he really loved he really liked his dogs and he had a real you know, good rapport with those dogs. You know, who did actually, um, you, you need to come down for the Southeastern. When is that? Um, Tell me, and I'll, um, I'll put it on. It's, it's coming up in my, it's early March. Um, because Ron Deal, um, who's a really interesting guy who puts on the Southeastern. Well, he knew, I mean, he goes back to those, you know, he, I think he knew Jack, Jack Harper. Really? And, some of those dogs yeah what they were dogs i'm trying to think what dogs i think he did know some of those dogs yeah okay uh, well then i need to get a get down there asap yeah it's a great place to live mm-hmm. and i never regretted moving down here i just love it and um and i and the people down here are great and just being around people that are just that you, you know, know it and knowledgeable about bird dogs it's pretty humbling actually well i you know i went to school down there at albany state and i didn't oh, really did yeah. yeah so and i i kicked myself in the in the you know butt all the time for it because you know in college like we were talking about before as far as being young you're not thinking about uh, what's yeah, around you, don't know you where you're going you know yeah, yeah. um yeah. and i was around so much of it and just wasn't paying attention you know so now yeah. Anytime I get a chance to go back down to Thomasville, I, you know, I do. And I've met so many mm-hmm. good people. Now you yeah. and, and, and just the handlers that have come down there, you know, I've got, mm-hmm. I don't own a horse. I've got buddies down there that's going to loan me one to, to ride in some of the trials. It's yeah. just, yep. it's a great community. 
you know, yeah. um, but I think it's it's monumental to any of us that, you know, are interested yeah. in trials, you know. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I just hey, have so. you ever met Joe Bush? Do you know Joe Bush? I'm waiting to. So um, Tay Allman so, is supposed to introduce me to him. He's a piece of work. He really is funny. I, Tay Allman is supposed to introduce me to Joe Bush when next time I come yeah. down there because um, he's in yeah. Albany, right? You no, know. he's in Sylvester. He's in Sylvester. Okay. He's in Sylvester. Yeah. So now, I, and I like it because Moultrie in Albany is Sylvester. Would I think he was just nominated for the um, Hall of Fame too? Yeah. yeah. He, I don't know if he'll get my 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 um a friend of mine was kind of behind that. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I told him I said I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. Just like just like Bev didn't. There's some people that just probably never going to go get why, in there. Why didn't Bev get that though? I mean, she. I don't even ask me. I have no. <laughs> you know what? I quit. You know, there's a point where you just quit trying. We right. go like, look, somebody, somebody wants this not to happen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The the dog didn't know or care. Mm-hmm. And the people that knew her, and um. You know, we'll never see her as anything but a great dog. And there's a, there's a point in your life where you just go, you know what? It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And and you know, like I said, I am so the people who knew her, um, you know, Jerry Coulter, people who really saw her and scouted for her, and said that you know, they they were privileged to see a dog of, of that magnitude, of that mm-hmm. intelligence, that kind of talent and you don't and you take that to your grave with you and you're lucky to have seen it you know and it's like you know what oh well of other people if you couldn't convince people you know and and i think we did i think we actually did convince people no i mean anybody that that reads enough on her i mean it's pretty obvious website i left it up i Mm -hmm. said look if you read these reports and this does not convince you then i don't know who i don't know Mm -hmm. what the hell is wrong with you but um but there's a point where, you know, it's this is the world and there's politics and there's right. you know, there's always people who are going to say, well, we're not going to have some dog that was handled off foot or some mm-hmm. some. And I'm telling you, she was not the only reason that she just she just she just liked Joe enough. Right. You know, she loved Joe. And if but she was she, this dog was not you, you could never say would she have been an all age dog, but she was built right. Mm-hmm. And she, there was no stop to her mm-hmm. in terms of how far she would go. None, right. none at all. And that's the thing. And sadly, people have this idea that, and I understand it because if you live down here and you think, okay, if I got off my horse, you know, how would I ever keep up with a dog? But, but you're in the but you're in the woods. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a dog, an smart dog is not going to run three quarters of a mile Mm-mm. because they figure out you're not going to get to them ever. Right. You're never going to find them. You're never going to get to them. You're never going to get, you know what I mean? So it's different because they hunt differently. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going to hunt country differently. It's not because they're not capable of doing that. It's because they're smart enough to know, you know, if I don't stay within five or 600 yards, they're never going to find me. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of times when, you know, when Bev didn't win, you know, Part of it was like she, you know, she was found on point, you know, 500 yards away. That's a pretty long ways. That's a very that's a long, long way. Long, yeah. <laughs> that's a long ways in the woods. Right. That's a long ways in the woods. And, um, um, there were that, you know, there was nothing about her that you could say wasn't, you know, could she, that, you know, and Harold Ray, who I admire so much and mm-hmm. care about, 
he's the one who said, look, you know, a, a great grouse dog is nothing. It's, it's nothing less than a, than a, than a horseback shooting dog. It's mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. you know, but, but the difference is if a, a grouse dog has got to handle to the front because all you have, and she had a giant bell, which is really in the end, you know, he, Joe had to stop running or not because she wasn't physically done. She couldn't hear. Right. Because he had this gigantic bell, you know, ringing under. She couldn't hear anything. I mean, you put that thing, you go like, imagine spending the last, you know, eight years with this thing ringing under your chin. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hear anything. Right. So, um, but it, without that big bell, you'd have never found her. You'd wow. never found her. But, um, you know, and you, you know, a, but that's the thing with a grouse dog. If they don't run to the front and you don't know where they are, they could be, I mean, imagine, you, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, uh, how the, where the hell is the dog? How right. the hell are you going to find the dog if you don't know it? It's at least, you know, to the front. That mm-hmm. it's at least somewhere within that, you know, ten o'clock to to two o'clock right. place. At, you, you know, or something like that. Sometimes a little wider, but you you never find that dog if it didn't run to the front. But right. and sometimes it would take a long time to find her. Mm-hmm. But. John, look, you know, anybody who ever gets to see any, any really great dog, you just look. I mean, I've seen not, not a whole, not a lot, but several really great field trial performances that will, that will stick with me forever. You got any you know, favorites? Yeah, but I'm very biased. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really biased. We'll be I biased think the, the recent one would have been, you know, true confidence mm-hmm. in, First series of the Continental this year, um, okay. where he was top qualifier, where where um, I, I don't want to quote Luke, but I think he he thought that was probably one of the best handling hours that he ever had. Oh, nice! Yeah, which is saying a lot from him. And I don't want to quote him, like, but I think that's what he that's said. What he but said. um, yeah, it was it was a th- it was a thing of beauty. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Look, I'm going to have to get down there. So I want to finish up. I I didn't give, you know, Miss Rita, your other dog. I didn't give her any kind of, any kind of credit on here. What's going on with Miss Rita? Miss Rita. Well, Miss Rita is old and deaf. (laughs) She's 12 and Kit's 11. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky to still have them. Okay. yeah, so Rita was a do- is the last living daughter of Bev's, and um, and she was a good dog. She ran, you know, she was on Joe's string for a while, but she wasn't Bev. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you, I mean, she's strong, 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 physically strong dog, well built, but she 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 wasn't. I mean, the dogs like that are, you know, they just don't. They're not. You know, you're lucky if you get. You know, if you breed dogs and you get one that's, you know, I mean, to, to get a dog as special as Bev, they're just not going to come along. Right. You know, no matter how you breed them, breed, you know, the thing about Bev, she produced one dog that Joe and I, Joe and I co-owned. Um, we bred her, we bred Rita to um, uh, White Powder Pete, who was, you know, a dog the Davises had, who mm-hmm. I adore. I just love the dog. Mm-hmm. He was smart, wonderful, well-built you know, just bird dog. And, um, we had this one puppy that Maisie, when I went down to pick the puppies, Maisie was like, look, this is the one you're going to have. Yeah. Okay. This is the one you're going to have. You don't even, you don't even look at them. I'm telling you, this is the one. Right. And I, I looked at all of them and she was heavily marked like Bev and she was a funky, <laughs> funny dog. Yeah. 
And I and I said, okay, that's the one. I named her after Bill Allen's wife, Betts, and her name is Hard Driving Betts. And I took her home, and I, I you know, she was just an unreal, beautiful pup, and she grew up to be just the most beautifully gated animal I'd I'd ever seen at that point. You know, wow. high tail, but just like literally, you could have put a glass of wine on her back, and it wouldn't have spilled. Wow. You know, I'd watch her, and I go. How does she run like that with that high tail, you know? And she and so finally it was like, okay, Joe, you got to take this dog. Mm-hmm. This was <laughs> I had this experience, with, you know. Dog, and in my experience, my limited experience, there's always a day when a pup just one day finds his legs, her legs, legs. Right. Just one day, just happens. And I remember letting her loose where I always ran her, and all of a sudden it was that day, and she. It ran into the woods. She didn't, she wouldn't go where I wanted her to go. She ran into the woods. And I felt like, have you ever read um, Last of the Mohegans? Yes. yes. <laughs> the, the beginning part where, what's his name? Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Where he's running through the woods, right? With his long rifle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and deer. Remember that scene yep. in the beginning? Okay, I don't know why, but this is like I pictured that. Even when I was doing it, I pictured that. Okay, so I'm chasing this dog. <laughs> I'm running and I'm running, not calling her because I realize she's just going. And she's I'm watching gone. her, and I but I can't get at her. Mm-hmm. She's just she's always fifty yards, a hundred yards. You know, she's just beyond my reach. And I'm running as hard as I can through the woods. It's like a you know a mile from my house. Yeah. And I'm and I, and the truth is the only fear I ever ever had because this happened to me with a horse. I don't want a dog on the road. I never had a fear of a dog, you know, just running away from me, right. but I always had a fear of it's going to end up on the road mm-hmm. and there's be this trap. Right. Yeah. It's just going to be this horrible moment where this dog and this vehicle hit. And it's because I, because I watched it when I was a kid with a horse. And so uh, yeah. I'm running and she's running. And so finally, after about a hundred, after about, a, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes of this, I mean, I'm exhausted, right? I've been running faster than I've ever run in my entire <laughs> life through the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and she comes to the edge of the woods and stops. And I think she was confused, like, not sure what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> and I, and I thought, okay, she stopped. And I looked at her and I thought, how if I approach her, she'll start running again. And I thought, what can I do? I mean, I thought this really quickly. What can I do to make her not run? And I thought, if I freak her out by doing something really weird, she might just like go like, I don't know what you're doing. I I just like, you know what I mean? That she would just like be too freaked out to move. So I don't know what I did, but I like screamed. (laughs) I did something really strange. Right. And it worked. And she's like stared at me like, what? Because you? You know, she's my puppy. She knows who I am. She's like, what? This is not the person I know. Right. And so she she didn't move. And I grabbed hold of her. <laughs> and, and I walked I walked two miles back to my truck to get back to my truck. Wow. And I thought, OK, I called Joe and I said, you got to take her. I can't, <laughs> like, she, you got to take her now because I can't. This is more. I can't use more dog than I can have. So anyway, so she went to New Hampshire and then I think it was like a week or a week and a half later, a week later, it wasn't even that far long. Um, I got her to Joe and then I went up there to our friend, Tony Bly's Mm -hmm. and we ran her on Tony Bly's property. What does he call it? Red barn. I don't know. Can't remember. Red barn or something. And um, she 
had, I think, three woodcock finds and two grouse finds. Oh, wow. He'd never seen anything but baby turkeys. You know, baby turkeys are yeah. kind of like sharp tail grouse. Right. They kind of get up like sharp tail. So I kind of would use them because they would, you know, I'd have them. Right. And um, she never saw a grouse or woodcock in her entire life. She's maybe, I want to think this was like September. So she was born. I can't remember when she was born. So she's maybe five months old or six months old. And she just got she it. Went out and pointed five, like woodcock, three woodcock, and two grouse. Wow! Joe and, Joe and I looked at each other and went, "Holy crap! This just, is the closest thing to Bev." She looked like she was heavily marked like Bev, which is mm-hmm. interesting that she was marked like Bev, and and just an absolutely gorgeous animal. And we looked at each other and thought, "Oh my God, we got one. We got this something. Is this is we it. got something." And I didn't know neither of us. I don't. I don't know. Joe was pretty confident because he liked big, always liked big running dogs, right. always, and had no fear of them whatsoever. And I'm like, I don't know, Joe. Can we just dog in the grouse woods? I don't know. And then you know, and everything was great. She went out to the prairies. We had her in Broom Hill, and she ran. She was just beautiful. And he called me one day in December and said, I, I, you know, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's cold and I've taken her to the vet and she was septic and he was, they said, we, we, you got to get her to the vet in Erie. And he wasn't half an hour on the road to Erie and she was dead. What? Yeah. She had, um, she, she had, and I, I'd had experiences with dogs that had blow, but I never even heard of twisted intestine. Right. Twisted intestine, which has no, unlike blow, which has symptoms Mm -hmm. where you have you have an you have a chance to get them to the vet. A twisted intestine, nothing. There's nothing. There's not. There's no way to find. Yeah. No. By the time you see it, they're dead. God. And so she, he and I were like, we were. I think I still am devastated by it because she just was. I don't know if she'd have been a grouse dog but man i i jesus she was a nice dog she had a lot going for she, her but oh my god i don't know what she was gonna be but she was gonna be something man. she had all the attitude and just and showed her you know bev's ability on birds and just absolutely beautiful on the ground just just strong and gorgeous and so anyway but you know that's everybody has a story about mm-hmm. a dog like that that yeah. this somehow tragically ended up not making it but i don't know somehow you keep you know but you keep going and you go well maybe there'll be another one and but you remember all of them you know Mm -hmm. every dog i've ever had i've been lucky because i don't i never had a real i never had a dog that i would call a washout right you know and maybe i'm maybe i'm proud that i listened to enough good advice that i didn't i didn't wash them out well I, Um, i think that says a lot you know um yeah, about but the I mean, influences. Yeah, I'm not saying they were yeah. great dogs, but they all won. They all field trialed. They all won, and they right. all were good dogs. And and I was proud of them. And um, so, but um, you know, so I've I've had my fun doing this for sure. Right. You know. Right. Whoa. And, and so you really kind of you you know you really want other people to have that experience because there's nothing if you're you know I don't know if you have to be a I guess you got to be some kind of have some competitiveness in you or something, but. I would think a li- at least some. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. But anyway, you know, but it's, but I don't, you know, I would never trade, you know, my, my life so far with bird dogs and the, and mostly what I really wanted to say was mostly it's the people, yeah. you know, it's the dogs, 
but it's also the people I've, I've, you know, I'm still friends with most of the people that I've, you know, spent my life field trawling with, um, and, and bird hunting with that. It's just something that's, that's what I think is really unique about the world of field trial people is that they are very, very connected. I mean, any place, what's really cool is any place, like I'm moving down here from Maine. Mm-hmm. You know, well, wow. You moved from Maine to Georgia. Like, how did you do that? Like, how, why would you? And I was like, well, you know what, any place, if you are involved with field trials, any place that you go to, you will have family. Right. And that, that's really true. You right. will, you really will. You get involved with a field trial club and cause, every, cause it's small enough that everybody kind of knows each, I mean, they, you might not know, you might not have met some people, but you will, you'll know them by name and you, and you belong, you know, and that's a, that's a kind of a cool thing to be a part of. Right. I agree. I mean, I've, I've met nothing but, you know, really nice folks, um, yeah. you know, thus far, you know, starting out on this journey. And now I can mm-hmm. say, you know, I've spoke to you for two and a half hours. I mean, I, I would like to yeah, say that we're, we're quite, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one's going to want to listen to all this stuff. <laughs> well, the thing is you, you're very genuine. Um, and when I tell you there, it, it's a, it's, it's an, a conversation that I've been waiting to have, for a very long time. I mean, every minute well, of thank it. Thank you. You know, that's very, that's very, really kind of you to say that. Well, and, and I mean it. I mean, and and I look forward to you know getting down there and, and yeah. Trust me when I tell you, I've learned a ton from everything that you've you know published, and I I, I hope that you know we ain't gonna be strangers now because this. I mean, it's seriously just so much good information on this episode and everything on stride away i mean you know I, i'm definitely i've got the 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 um bird dogs and the men who handled them i got that pulled up i'm ordering that soon so okay yeah no no do that if i can give it to you if i see you give it to I, me and sign it for me how about yeah, then that you don't have to pay for any of the shipping but i'll be happy right. yeah no you you very much enjoy that book that's a, got a lot of great history in it you will very much enjoy well i definitely um, will come down there and yeah. get it and like i said just leave, leave a nice little something in there a note or something because I mean, it, 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 it means uh, literature too. I mean, all of yeah, it is no, very, I can very see important. that you're very interested in the, <laughs> the history and all that stuff, yeah. which, which I, which I really enjoy when people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, have an appreciation for yep. how we, how we got here. Yep. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Well, yep. Ms. Mathen, how, let, how am I, how, how do we wrap this up? I want to get people, you know, directed to you to stride away to the youth field trial Alliance. Yeah. Like, let, give us all of that. Oh, I, I don't know. Just, you know, so, you know, here's what I'm, I'm going to be very bold and blunt. If, uh, I would be, gr- I would be grateful p- for people to support us, Okay. you know, so we have a little store and the, the things we have in our store are not available in, well, except for the um, field trial standards, which is a great, you know, mm-hmm. which we read for the AFT, you know, I work for the AFTCA. Right. Um, I do their, um, I manage the website and mm-hmm. their, um, some of the social media marketing. Um, but if they, if, you know, if there's books or like we did, a, I did a book um, last year called a little book of bird dog names. Mm-hmm. Which, it says this a book um, that I'm doing a series of little books. The next one is a little book of Bob whites. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, if people want to support us, um, that would help a lot it's because a lot without, good stuff you know, without, without any, without financial support, you know, it's pretty hard to, um, 
to be doing stuff that yep. um so that I, I know that's kind of no it's, it's <laughs> you, look, you, you, it, it worked on me how about yeah, that and and you'll get my support and I'm, Alliance, you yep. know please support us that way because mm-hmm. um I think I, I really think we're at a place where whether it's up on bird hunting and youth field trials and field trials, you know, the world is just changing in a yeah. way that we, you know, we have very little control over. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if we want to continue to enjoy the outdoors and the things that we really love, the dogs and stuff, then I think we all need to make an effort because, you know, we could easily be kind of overwhelmed by by a lot of movements and things, political movements and things that would put an end to what we do, you know, which is kind of awful to think of, you know. It is, but it's the truth. People who don't like the, you know, hunting or, you know, and or whatever it is, or mm-hmm. animal rights groups and all that stuff. So um, right. people who don't really understand right. and they're, you know, they live in big cities and they just have a mm-hmm. weird view that hey. they don't really have any they don't have any real contact with and you know you think if you could just show them they might change their mind but if you can't show them then (laughs) you don't there you go well and they're gonna do what they're gonna do regardless we gotta keep doing what we gonna do you know and 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 keep pushing it forward and 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 like i said i want to encourage more people to support stride away because i mean you are the point of contact seriously like you are at the, 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 you're the gatekeeper for what we're doing, Ms. Math. And so, well, I, mean, I don't know for that much. But <laughs> I, I, I'm a, but I would like I'd to like say to, that you are. <laughs> I'd like to continue. And I like to do more. Like I said, I love to do more podcasts mm-hmm. and things because I think that's what people enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, videos and podcasts and mm-hmm. well, stuff like that. But, well, there, there will be much more. And I, I will definitely have to have you on again as, as time goes on. Trust me, I'm going to be bugging you now. So, okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's thank it's you. been such a pleasure. And I will. Um, yeah. And I look forward to meeting you very soon. And, yep. um, and good luck with all the stuff you're doing too. And thank you very much for no. the opportunity to kind of just, you know, talk to you a little bit about what we do. Yeah. Thank what you. Hey, Miss Mathen, thank you so much. Great talking thank to you. Thank you. Okay. All bye. Right. Bye. All right, guys, that's another episode of the gun dog notebook podcast. That was Chris Mathen. I mean, both of us love history, love the dogs. If you can't tell, um, but I, I've been waiting to do that episode for a long time. Um, I just want to say thank you to, you know, all of my sponsors and affiliates that, that'd be, uh, you know, uh, Onyx Maps and Yukonupa Sporting Dog, Blind Country Supply, um, Dakota 283 Kennels, um, Garmin Fish Hunt, just the whole gamut, Project Upland, support from them, Northwoods Collective, um, you know, just everybody man i mean it, it, it's if i left anybody out friends anything like that i mean i really episodes like that is why i really enjoy doing the gun dog notebook and, and and hopefully giving you guys more content and information so as we were saying before guys go and support stride away um support the youth field trial alliance you can find them on facebook um strideaway.com all of that stuff guys and support the gun dog notebook you know um I'm, I'm, there will be more com- content coming out um if you like these episodes i don't say this often but you know leave me a review a rating or something like that guys Aside from that, 
I will catch you guys next week. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Stay tuned.